Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Jersey. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Just spoke to Eagles All-Pro pass rusher Hassan Reddick, who tells me he never requested a trade, wants to stay in Philadelphia. Quote, I would like to get an extension done here at home. At no point did I ever tell the organization I want to be traded. And then Reddick has one year left on his deal with no guaranteed money left. This is home for me. I was born and raised here. Two of the most fun years playing football in my life came here. I cherish being an Eagle. All right, that's Jordan Schultz from Bleacher Report, their veteran NFL reporter. Starting us off with a little roller coaster ride. Does he want to be traded? Does he not want to be traded? Hassan Reddick, uh, this will be interesting. Now, we start the sports bash off with that noise or that sound, I should say. I say noise because this thing seems like it's going to be a little interesting, a little messy, if you will. Sports bash live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Henning is producing today's show and you out there. Uh, so yesterday, it was actually Super Bowl Sunday when the news came out from Ann Rappaport that Reddick basically got permission and requested to seek a trade. And the Eagles said, yeah, go for it. See what you can go find. Get back to us. Now, today, Jordan Schultz reporting that he spoke to Hassan Reddick. All right. He went right, right to the source and said, all right, I'll pick up the phone and I'll talk to Hassan Reddick, who told Schultz, quote, I would like to get an extension here at get an extension done here at home. At no point did I ever tell the organization I want to be traded. So now we have the roller coaster. It starts now. So this isn't the beginning of this, all right? For those of you keeping score at home, if you remember, Reddick told the team or kind of hinted back at training camp that he might want some updates on that deal. He wasn't upset over the contract, but he thought that he outperformed it, and he's probably right. And... Many people looked at that, and he came in to camp, and it kind of went away. Never thought about it again. Well, now he's in the final year of a three-year, $45 million deal, and he is making an average salary of $15 million per year. Year That is 18th best among NFL edge rushers. Well, I think in Hassan Reddick's mind, he is better than the 18th edge rusher in the league, and he would like to make more money than the 18th edge rusher in the league. In the deal that he signed, he got a $30 million guarantee. That's a key number there because he got a 13.75 signing bonus, which means what? The Eagles could save almost $12 million in cap space if they give Reddick an extension. So it might behoove them 
to give him the extension. But here's the problem. I don't think the Eagles are in business of giving players who are going to be 30 years old extensions. So they are now getting a little shy about approaching someone who's going to be 30 years old and saying, here's more money. See, Reddick deserves the money based on all of the factors. I was 15th in the league in sacks this year with 11. I had 16 the year before. I am constantly getting double-digit sacks. I'm one of the best players in the league at getting to the quarterback. I was 13th in quarterback hits. I had a pressure rate of 12.7. Fourth in the NFL in sacks since the start of the 2020 season. Ninth in pressures. The problem is all of that already happened. Therein lies the issue in sports. See, free agency is set up for you to kind of cash in. The problem with Reddick is he has cashed in, but he hasn't pushed all of his chips into the middle of the table. He has always just kind of got one-year deals and then performed and then got another one-year deal. And then he performed again. And then finally the Eagles said, all right, we'll give you the three-year deal. Come home, Philadelphia. So he did. And then he outperformed the deal that he signed in Philadelphia. And then he played last year. And look, I don't want to say in a terrible season. That's not what I'm suggesting. But 11 sacks is in 16 and all the other numbers, they're on par. And people only look at those sack numbers. But that's not the number the Eagles are looking at. They're not saying you were worse. They're not saying you were better. They're saying you're 30. <laughs> that's the number. And that's a number that he cannot fudge. He can't do anything to that number to change it. He could say, well, look, I'm, I'm 12th in the league in pressure percentage, and I have the quarterback hits, and I got 50 and a half sacks since 2020. I'm one of the best pass rushers in the league. And the Eagles will say, you were one of the best pass rushers in the league. You know, sometimes something happens, and it makes people think in a certain way until they're proved otherwise. The Eagles had a rule. They had a rule. If you were 30, you're gone. They did it with Hugh Douglas and Jeremiah Trotter and Trey Thomas and Brian Dawkins and many others. Brian Westbrook. When the fans said yes, the Eagles said, no, can't do it. And then they changed their mind on that for a little while there. And it bit them. They gave Alshon Jeffrey an extension for no reason. And then he got old real fast. James Bradbury, great year. Here's an extension. Three years. Come on back. We loved you. And then he got old real fast. The NFL is a league where whatever you did before is great. Unfortunately, sometimes it actually works against you. So Hassan Reddick, yeah, in a normal, and this is where, you know, sports are not normal. Sports people make so much money like a salesperson. All right, Joe Schmo wearing a suit and tie looking like a schmuck. That guy performs in the past. No one's saying, well, you performed well at 27 that you're going to get worse at 37. No, you actually think the experience is going to get that guy more so you make more money as you get older. In football, that's not the case. You hit a certain age and you've already given me your best, man. That big sale is already behind you. And that's the problem with this whole situation is Reddick has the resume to get the money, 
Unfortunately, in this world, your resume says you're 30. Your experience is now working against you. It's not helping. So I don't know how this turns out, but this is what Jordan Schultz says. He thinks will happen when push comes to shove between this, I don't want to say a stare down, but between Philadelphia and Hassan Reddick, what will the end result be? Hassan, who has one year left on his deal with no guaranteed money, he is keenly aware that this is a business. He quote tweeted my uh, tweet earlier, said this is a business, and I understand that. So basically, I think it's very possible that Hassan Reddick gets traded. There's going to be a significant amount of interest because he is available via trade. All right. That's interesting. So he said he thinks it's probably likely that he will be traded still. But the part that I'm interested in is at the last part, that there will be significant interest in a trade. All right. That's why the stare down happens, because the Eagles are saying exactly what Reddick is telling you. Reddick's not lying. Schultz isn't lying. The report is accurate. I never asked to be traded. No one really suggested that the Eagles told him, hey, we want to trade you. It was just basically, hey, last year of my deal. Let's talk. And I think the Eagles were kind of like, hmm, not all that excited about that conversation. How about something different? Okay. What if we tried to find a trade? And the Eagles probably said, yeah, go for it. Good luck with that. We're all counting on you. Essentially, the Eagles are telling us, if you think you can go find someone to pay you, go do it. And I think the Eagles are banking on that nobody's going to want to pay a 30-year-old guy an extension. The Eagles certainly don't want to do it. And they're banking on the fact that neither does anybody else. Now, what Schultz said there is interesting, that he'll have a big uh, contingent of teams interested in him. But what I'm interested in is, sure, teams might want to be trading for you, but do they want to also give you the extension? And that's where the dynamic of what the Eagles have coming up next really comes in. Is the Eagles know, we don't want to pay you, not for past performance. There's not another team out there that we think is going to want to pay you. So if you can find somebody, have at it, Hoss. Let them call us and we'll figure out just how interested in you they are. You know, this is like akin to you don't want your baseball player, especially a star player, a young star who has those controllable years. You don't want them to get to arbitration, to the table. Why? Because the, the the rules of the arbitration is, I'm going to tell you what your flaws are, and you don't want to hear them. And you're going to tell me what you did great and why you should get paid a lot of money. And I'm the other side saying, eh, you strike out too much. Eh, your defense isn't great. And that's essentially what's going on here. The Eagles are essentially saying, go have other teams tell you that they don't want to pay you. Because we don't want to be the one that tells you we don't want to pay you. Let somebody else tell you. Let somebody else go to the arbitration table with you and tell you what your flaws are. Hey, Hassan, yeah, we really like you. We like you at the price you're at now. We're not really all that excited to give you a three-year extension at 30 years old. Now, teams can get creative. That's the thing here. I don't want to act like, hey, it's a hard and fast three-year deal where you're looking for an extra 
fifty million dollars and you're locked into that, like they can really front load something. But you got to find a team that has the cap space available, like the Chicago Bears. They're a team that has a ton of cap space that could say, you know what? Let's find the finishing piece to a really good defense and make it a great defense. Let's get a guy who can get to the quarterback and we'll give him all this money up front and then kind of do what Howie Roseman does. Because keep in mind, um, Chicago, I believe still is and Cunningham still in Chicago. He was a guy who came from the Philadelphia front office. There's a reason why these teams come and get Philadelphia front office disciples. Because they want to know, what is Howie Roseman always doing with these contracts that lets him get a player like Redick on a deal that has all these dummy void years at the end of them? So I don't know how many teams have the cap space to be able to say, yeah, you know what, we'll trade for Hassan Redick and we'll give him the extension. That in lies the issue. How many teams can also give the extension. How many teams also want to get the extension? But I know the Eagles don't want to do the whole situation where they sign him to a long-term deal for a couple of reasons. One, what happened to them in the recent years signing older players. And two, the salary cap situation that would come from all of this. So you have to look at it from two different sides of the coin here. You're asking for a trade. No, I never asked for a trade. Okay, I'm going to take Hassan Reddick's side in this one. Okay, I'm going to go on the Hassan Reddick side and say, I don't think he actually asked for a trade. I think he maybe had his agent go to the Eagles and kind of say, hey, you know, Hass- you know, you remember uh, Jerry Maguire where Rod Tidwell's on the last year of the deal and Jerry's like, hey, you know, uh, he needs a new deal here. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, he's, he's a shrimp. We don't really want a, a small wide receiver. It's basically like, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think Hassan Reddick, though, is going to be Rod Tidwell. I don't know that he's going to go out there and play on the last year of his deal saying, hey, I'll make my money next offseason. He could. But I think that's where this kind of came from, where Jerry Maguire, a.k.a. Reddick's agent, right, he went to the Eagles before this season and said, hey, look, my guy's on the last year of his deal. We need to start talking about a deal. Yeah, yeah, I'll call you. I'll get back to you on that. Hey, my guy's on the last year of his deal. He's He's been a great player for you. He's from Philly, went to Camden High. Come on. He eats over at Donkey's Place all the time. They love him there. Uh, yeah, 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 we'll get to you. So I don't know that he ever said, I'm demanding a trade. I think it was more like the Eagles, the the Reddick agent saying, we got to talk about this, we got to talk about this, and then the Eagles possibly saying, listen, if you think you can go out there and find something, go ahead, I give you permission, get back to me if you do. And then if something happens, we'll go from there. Like nine times out of ten in the situation, it feels like someone asked for a trade and nothing really happens. Or it's the beginning of the end. How does this one feel? Does it feel like a trade could happen for Philadelphia or possibly a stare down in the beginning of the end of the relationship between Hassan Reddick 
and the Philadelphia Eagles. 609-403-0973. couple text messages to start, Mike. Part of the reason why Bradbury and Slay got extensions last year was to push their cap hits down the road. Bradbury quite didn't work out. I think extending Reddick is a good idea, but depending on how long he is extended, could come back to bite the Eagles later. Yeah, so, like, the Eagles were in a situation last year where they made a low ball offer to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He essentially says no, so the Eagles go to plan B. They signed Bradbury to this extension, thinking, all right, you know, that the first year, he's not going to fall off a cliff. He was second-team All-Pro. And that maybe at the back end of that deal, like this, not this year coming up, this year coming up that, okay, maybe he takes a step back, but he took two steps back. And now you fell into a situation where you might be thinking about getting rid of the last two years on his deal. You can't afford to now do that again with Reddick if you sign him and say, now we're stuck with him if he slips. Now, I don't think he's just going to fall off the cliff, but here's what I will say about Reddick. You know, he's a guy who's a 30-year-old pass rusher who depends on his speed to kind of be his number one move. His speed is why he's been the sack artist that he is. He's not great against the run. He's a guy that obviously not great in coverage. John Gannon got the best out of him, right? He had 16 sacks for Gannon Gannon used him very well. There's a lot of talk that, oh, maybe you should trade him to Arizona. Back to John Gannon and see what happens there. Of course, he played in Arizona. They didn't use him very well out there. He was a middle linebacker. That didn't go so well. But does Vic Fangio look at what Gannon did? They run a very similar defense, right? Gannon essentially runs the Fangio defense. Does Vic Fangio look at Howie Roseman and say, you can't get rid of that guy. That guy's essential to me. Or does he say, you know what? He asked for a trade. I don't need him. <laughs> let's let's uh, clear that off the books and try to get me some corners in this in this place. I think it's a pretty interesting discussion on where this all could go. We're going to talk to Colin Thompson about it, NFL free agent tight end, and get his thoughts. Does he fit into Fangio's system? Or is this a, a situation where Fangio would be better off clearing out some cap space and trying to go find – Maybe a younger corner to replace Bradbury. Keep in mind, you're almost in a situation where you're going to have to replace both safeties. You're probably going to have to find another linebacker. And if you got rid of Reddick, you need another pass rusher. You're probably going to have to find another defensive tackle. You might need to start looking for, or you probably need to start looking for a slot corner unless you're going to go with the brigade of guys that you have in there that are all projective, more projectable as outside guys than slot guys. I'm talking about the Eli Rickses and the Makai Gardners and, you know, any other mix of guys that maybe got a couple of uh, snaps at times last year. So they're definitely in a weird situation with this whole Reddick situation. But I also think, and we got some text messages, Mike, I think a trade, too many important pieces we need to keep in the coming year. Offensive line will need help, draft capital. So you think that Reddick is going to get traded. I don't know where to believe this one right now. I think this is a lot dependent on how much interest there is and – not only interest. Yeah, I'm interested, but I don't want to pay you. 
it's a story of life in the world we live in today. I'm interested, but I don't want to pay you. I'd love to have you. I got no money. That sounds like the Eagles right now. I'd love to keep you, but I don't want to pay any more money. And I think other teams are going to follow the Eagles' lead on this. We like you too, Hassan, but that price tag seems about right for right now. Do you have any concern that an NFL team will be able to sign Reddick, have the cap room, have the ability, but maybe they say, you know what, do I want to have Howie fleece me? Well, I don't, I can't imagine that there's a, a GM who thinks he's inferior to the guy he's dealing with, then that's a pretty poor GM. If you're going into it thinking I'm getting fleeced, that's a pretty bad mindset. So you don't think there's other GMs who are like, I don't know if I want to make this deal with Howie because he might ask for too much. No. I mean, if he asked for too much, you should be smart enough to say you asked for too much, Allie. Sorry, I'm saying no. But the, what I'm saying they, is... You tell me they don't have their own confidence in their own self to not get fleeced? No, it's not about confidence. It's about the idea that, you know, some people may say, look, I would love to get this guy, but I'm not going to give up what Howie's going to ask for. Well, that's my point is, you make the call and say, I'm interested. What are you asking for? You're asking for too much. Click. Call me back when you lower your price. I mean... That's as simple as that. I mean, unless the guy goes into it thinking he's an idiot, I'm going to get fleeced on this deal, but I just want the player. You know, like the guy in fantasy football that drafts the guy two rounds too early because he says, I don't care that I'm drafting the guy two rounds too early. I just want him on my team. I don't think we're dealing with fantasy football GMs in this situation, but I also don't think someone's going to get fleeced in this deal. I don't think they're going to allow Howie to just, you know, bamboozle them and say, well, we want a first-round pick and – uh Hey, give me your slot receiver. Like, I don't think that, I, I, I don't see this go into a situation where anybody's going to overpay to get an aging pass rusher. That's the problem for the Eagles in terms of hoping they're going to get something here. Could be wrong. Jordan Schultz says he thinks Reddick will probably be traded. Reddick saying, I don't want to be traded. Something's got to give. More sports bash coming up. 97.3 ESPN. It's brought to you by the gallery bar book and games at Ocean Casino. Go to the gallery, go to Ocean, go for the win. For more, visit OceanAC.com. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER. Gov. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike Gill. I want to tell you about my friends over at Key Acura of Atlantic City. Go see my friend Rocco now through February 29th. He can get you into a 2024 Acura Integra lease for just $369 a month or a 2024 MDX lease for $489 a month beginning March 2nd. Their service department will be open on Saturdays again, so stop in. And see Rocco at Key Acura of Atlantic City, Tilton Road, and EHT, the small but friendly dealer, online at keyacuraofatlanticcity.com. Yeah, they're right up the street. Tilton Road, EHT, 
I don't know where T-E-H-T begins and Northfield ends. you think I would know that. I lived here most of my life, and I've worked in this building for all of my uh, last, like, 15 years. Where is the actual beginning? Is that Hinkston Avenue? Is that where it all changes? Is that where, like, E-H-T? E-H-T is everywhere. I mean, literally. It's like every turn you make, you're in E-H-T at some point. All right, Colin Thompson, uh, NFL free agent tight end season is in the books, and uh, he is for hire. He is joining me now on the Sports Pass Live on 97.3 ESPN. He is host of the Colin Thompson Show on Not For Long Media. You can check out all their social media and YouTube platforms. Colin Thompson, the season is officially over. How are you, my friend? Uh, I'm bummed, Mike, and I, I was a little, you know, people call it maybe seasonal depression. I'll call it like National Football League or football <laughs> ending depression, if that's the word for it. Like about two hours for the game, getting super excited for it and just hit that wall, man. It's it's a bummer. And it was really been a boring two weeks because it's the same old song and dance kind of with the Niners and the Chiefs. We, everybody, a lot of people predicted it before the season. If people told you that, it wouldn't have been crazy. When Detroit and Baltimore could have been very realistic, or at least one of those teams being in. So um, what a great game. What a great finish. And really what we've talked about and what you've talked about and a lot of people talked about, and even if you were on the Niners side, you knew in the back of your head if 15 has the ball for Kansas City at some juncture late in the game that they're going to win the game, and that's what happened. So if you're a Niner, do you want Coach to take the ball first or defer in overtime because did let me, were you aware of the new overtime rules? I was very vaguely. Okay, I'll, so I'll, let me ask. The, let me there. let me follow up there. Then is it outrageous for you? Because so many laymen fans can't comprehend that some players would not know the rules of the game. That is not surprising to me. But are you surprised to hear that players were not aware of the rules? I'm not totally surprised. Listen, players are pretty much turned off their social media. Some guys are all in, but I would say the majority are turned off for the most part. So last year when that all went down and that rule got changed, maybe you heard about it. And I'm sure some guys heard about it, maybe a rule change here and there. But there's so much more things going on you're worried about. If anything, is on the coaches to say, hey, listen, this is what's coming in the playoffs, guys. This is what's coming in the Super Bowl. We need to be aware of this. And that could be a five-minute meeting, and then it could be done and you move on. Everyone's making this big deal, like, the Chiefs prepared more. Well, I mean, it's a, probably a two-minute meeting that Andy brought up. But even if he didn't bring it up, it doesn't matter because I think it's all overblown. To answer your first question, who gets the ball first, who gets the ball second, you're still going to get equal cracks at it now. Like, you still got to make big stops. Well, you did you like score. Shanahan's answer? He essentially said, we wanted the ball first because if we scored and they scored, then we get the ball first in the sudden death situation. Yeah, I like that. I think that's cool, right? I, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. I'll be honest with you. Like, who, who's hot for you right now? Is your defense playing great? Well, you know what? Let's get him out in the field. Is your offense being great? Great. And I like the strategy of it to Mike, to, to, to Kyle Shanahan's point. He's a smart football coach. Sure. Kansas City goes down and scores. We're going to have the final crack at it. We'll have the final say. We'll kick a field goal, and we'll be out of there. So I just don't think it's a major storyline because people are trying to grab it a bit something because it was – a very pretty much straightforward game. I, I think it was overblown a little bit, in my opinion. Um, what's the ultimate? When you look at that game, overtime comes down to the final play. Slow game at first. San Francisco's got the lead. In the end, what is your 
overall assessment on why Kansas City, with probably not the better roster, is no. back-to-back Super Bowl champions? Well, there's a couple ingredients. One, let's just start with one that we're not talking about, and a man that spends a lot of time in Avalon, and that's Steve Spagnola. Listen, th- th- what he does defensively has always been really good, but what he's doing now with this young crop of players is even better. The blitzes they dialed up are incredible. You know, I'm with fans and people that know a little bit about the game, but, you know, I never played it or coached it. Like, these offensive lines are brutal. I'm like, well, really, it's the center and the quarterback miscommunication on pre- on pressures and Purdy's getting hit when guys are running wide open. Well, that's the defensive coordinator who gets all that done. That's all pre-snap. So, Spags, MVP for me, Andy Reid, unbelievable, continue to dials it up, and so did Kyle Shanahan and, and, and the Niners, too. I mean, offensively, they did some really good things, but they couldn't protect at the end of the day, and that comes down to communication to me. So, there's the two. And then, of course, Patrick Mahomes, he's the greatest football player of all time. It, it, there's no stretch anymore. There's no conversation. Even, like, Tom Brady's the most accomplished, but Pat Mahomes is a different cat now. Like, the way he even runs is ridiculous, right? Like, you know every Super Bowl, he's going to have a long scamper for, like, 20, 30 yards and then put a dagger in your heart, right? Like, the guy is just unreal. And the, really, Mike, the caveat to his success is just the fact that he's been in that same offense now for so long. Like, these quarterbacks that are really good in this league, they'll be in two, three offenses in their careers. And he's been there for so long. So him and Andy have grown together, and he's the perfect fit for Andy Reid's offense. Uh, Colin Thompson from the Colin Thompson Show on Not For Long Media, NFL free agent tight end. He is now into the offseason as well. We are into the offseason. And kick it off the offseason, Colin a guy that you know pretty well, Hassan Reddick. What do you make of this whole thing? Um, they gave him permission to go find a trade. He said today, I never asked for a trade, but he's on the last year of a deal. How do these things generally turn out from your experience? Uh, he's going to be 30 years old. We know that plays a role. Uh, is he owed the money? Yeah, he probably outperformed his contract, but the Eagles are saying, eh, you're going to be 30. So how do you see this one kind of playing out? Yeah, these these are no big deal nowadays. You know, back in the day, I'd be like, oh, boy. But, like, this isn't Hassan trying to leave, right, folks? Like, this is the Eagles trying to get some leverage and maybe some draft capital or a really good player or some cap space. For Hassan, who's outperformed his contract, who's gotten better and better every time he stepped on the football field throughout the years. I played against him at Temple when he was a walk-on safety, defensive back. And then played against him and with him in Carolina. Played against him in the NFL when he's with the Birds, too. Cardinals. So he's a great player. I think it's going to work out just fine. I don't know if they're going to extend him. And what, what for? Hassan is from Camden, from Philly, wants to stay there. But he's also a businessman. He's also a smart player. You can't take hometown discounts in this league. Like, I, I know that hurts Van's heart. But at the end of the day, like, if you did that and every player did that, that affects the union. That affects the next guy who's up for a contract. So there's deep-rootedness to it, other than the fact that, hey, Assange should take a deal. Well, the union won't let him take a deal because he sets the market for the next guy. So my opinion, uh, I think he's probably going to move on. I don't know anything from a source, but uh, that's a player who's going to be asking a lot of money, and people are going to be ponying up for it because he's a really good football player. Yeah, I mean, he falls into that uh, unfortunate situation where yep. the age comes into play, and the Eagles, you know, they generally, in the past, now I say the past because last year they gave Bradbury a three-year deal, and guess what? That hasn't worked out so well. So you wonder if the Eagles are saying, look, if you can find someone that wants to give you the money, 
have him call us. If not, then does he not show up to camp? Does he hold out? You know, Chris Jones did that this past year, and it didn't work out for him very well. I think Hassan shows up. I mean, he's under contract. I don't think it's going to get that crazy. I mean, Chris Jones, and Hassan's a great player, and you know what? He may end up being a Hall of Famer if he keeps playing the way he's playing. Chris Jones is a Hall of Famer. Chris Jones has so much leverage that organization. Hassan's been to Philly now, what, two years? Mm-hmm. Chris Jones is a, a, a legendary chief, right? Like, he's been there forever. Um, he's absolutely just a staple there. So he's probably like, hey, listen, like, are you serious? Like, you got to pay me. And Chris is unreal. So, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't, who knows, right? But speculating, you know, sitting here today, right at the Super Bowl, you and I are chatting about this. At the end of the day, it's uh, Hassan. I don't think he's holds out. He's going to play for a contract and earn his money. All right, Colin. We uh, obviously the off season is here. Um, do we? Do you think that we have seen uh, San Francisco hit its apex? Are they ready to take that step backwards, or are they still, in your mind, a Super Bowl contender moving forward next year? I think they're right where they are. Like, let's not get. Well, I asked over- that because we saw Philadelphia make the Super Bowl last year and then basically yeah. implode. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, they're up for cap space, and, and you're you're right on, Mike. I don't I don't think your the opinion of it's a, a bad one, or that is your opinion. I'm just saying, I just I don't know. I, I can't bet against Kyle Shanahan. I can't bet against C Mac Debo. Some of their key players, like they're there, they're seasoned. There's a group that's been in that offense again. The defense is good. Steve Wilkes is good. They're going to be able to, again, draft. They're kind of making up for lost time with that trade lane steal that went really sour. So they're getting back to neutral from that, and I think they'll be okay. I, I don't think right, anybody in this league is like, that's the team anymore. I think there's a lot of really good parity, and I think at the top of the league, Baltimore and Detroit specifically gave up a massive opportunity to take down two teams that are probably going to be in the Super Bowl again next year or the year after that in the Chiefs and the Niners. Like, this was the year to beat those two teams, and they coughed it up. So, for me, that experience, you can't take away from it. What the Chiefs do when they're down in the second half is is unbelievable. I think the Niners will be around, Mike. I really do. All right. uh, You know, as the offseason gets here, there's going to be, uh, you know, we got a little bit of a lull between now and the start of free agency. But if Colin Thompson was able to sit down with Howie Roseman, what's the most pressing position that he should target in free agency? Well, you know, Mike, it's a great question. Offensively, I don't know if if there's really an answer there because they're they're pretty loaded up offensively. They have a lot of depth. They really do. I, I don't think you touch the offense. All right, things will change and scheme will change. But player-wise, you know, they'll draft a couple guys, I'm sure, and fill that void. Defensively, listen, I, uh, to me, no matter what happens, at the end of the day, you got to continue to invest in defensive line play. And you know what you would say is they're pretty loaded there. But the great teams load up again there and, and get a guy – who's maybe a vet or who may be a steal in the draft pick that you think could have major impact, right? Like a Jalen Carter who slips back, like a, you name it. They've all fallen, you know. So Hassan was like a blend of the misfit toys at one point when Hassan, they shipped him out in Arizona and ended up being just a world beater in Carolina and Philly. So you could find those guys. I mean, obviously the, the, the two things that stand out to me, right, the linebacker play and then what's the, what's the back four look like? Because they're older and they didn't really respond that great this year. Kevin Byard's deal. We talked about that before. What's the buyout there? What's that look like? Is Kevin going to stay? He's a good player. Who knows? You know, struggled a little bit, but is it him or is it the whole structure of the defense? 
So I think you got to you know you got to revisit the older players on the outside, in Bradbury and, and Slay, and then you got to figure out how to get yourself a linebacker who's cheap who can play ball, right? Because that's the hardest part for that Eagles team. They are built around having cheap running backs and cheap linebackers and paying everybody else around them. So you can't pay everybody, yeah. and you got to get lucky with draft picks, and and that would be what I would do. The whole back seven of the defense needs to be visited. Well, that's going to be interesting because you mentioned running back. You got Swift, a free agent, then guys like Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler. You know what the off season will be like with some high profile running backs out there. I'm wondering, you know, what the running back market is going to kind of bear this off season. This one will should be, you got the, some of the highest profile running backs in the game, free agents, and to see what kind of offers they're going to get should be interesting. Yeah, you're right, Mike. I, I think you saw it a little bit at the trade deadline. Like none of those guys were even moved. Like what was that about? You know, those teams aren't really competitive at any juncture of time. With some of those big name players you just said, or at least at the trade deadline, they could have moved them for some draft capital. They didn't. Like, are they going to be in those same places because of that? I don't know. And then, listen, you could draft a running back in the second round, and he could be a Pro Bowl for you for four or five years, and you got to move on from him, right? That's how this league goes. And I like the Swift move last year. He was a Pro Bowler, a great player for the Eagles. Like, he fulfilled his void. He did his job. He was a great player for the Birds this year. So I think you bring a guy like him in, you find him. Maybe somewhere else. Maybe he takes a hometown discount and stays home. I I don't know that for fact, but personally, Mike, they're going to go get a veteran or go get a guy like a Swift who's, you know, you could trade for and it doesn't take a big cap hit and you know he's going to be able to produce. Behind that old line, who's highly paid. You can't pay everybody. I know the fans struggle with that, but you can't pay every position. So with good positions you don't play, you got to draft them. They got to be cheap and they got to overperform their contract. Uh, Colin Thompson from the Colin Thompson Show, Not For Long Media. Of course, the offseason's here, and, of course, we'll be keeping our eye on that, the draft, and more. It's good to catch up with you, man. Did camp go well? It went great, man. QS Florida was just so supportive. Kate May, Lord Kate May coaches down. Sam Waller, Matt Danzi, Lance Bailey, the, the, you know, the, the booster club supporting us, uh, free camp for kids, feeding kids down here that don't get a lot of attention. So it went great, man. Appreciate you asking. Good stuff. All right, Colin. We'll catch up with you later, bud. Thanks, bud. All right, Colin Thompson, uh, NFL free agent tight end from the Colin Thompson Show on Not For Long Media. You can check out their YouTube channel and all their social media for all his insight and NFL analysis. And, of course, right here on the Sports Bash. Later on in the show, Q Myers from Game Night is going to join me to talk all things NFL offseason. He's from Vegas. What did he think of the Vegas Super Bowl? Paul Hudrick's going to talk a little Sixers. What are the Sixers now? What to make of them? And tonight at 5.30, the Flyers have won four in a row. They're not going away. But are they going to be sellers at the deadline? Our Flyers insider Kevin Durso at 5.30 tonight will join us right here on the Sports Bash live on 97.3 ESPN. It's the for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 
Mike Gill. And I am the voice of the voiceless. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. All right, 10 on the top of the hour, Sports Bass Live, 97.3 ESPN. I want to tell you about my friends over at the Nizams. Yeah, now that the Super Bowl's behind you, there's no more football. You got the Sundays available to take out the whole fam, all the friends and everybody, and check out Nizams in EHT. It was voted the number two restaurant in all of New Jersey. So if you've been waiting for that Sunday buffet to check out everything they have to offer, Now's the time. No more football. No more excuses. Go see Dr. Roy and my friends over at the Nizams in EHT. It's right in front of Boscov's over there. If you've driven by there so many times, you say, I, I need to get there. Well, I'm telling you, you need to get there. I promise you, you will say, that will be a part of my rotation. All right. Mike Gill on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Little LL Cool J. Mama said knock you out he was in a uh was he in a super bowl commercial yeah he was for Coors light he was uh riding the uh the Coors light train that blew into the house i do remember him like driving the train or something who yeah. else was in that commercial it was basically just him no there, no, there, there no, was some no. random celebrities along the way i was gonna say there were other people past. in the commercial i was listening to a podcast about this how the super bowl commercials are like coming with threes like three celebrities in them yeah, three or more. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Three or more. Yeah, it's like three but or more. Like gone are the days where it's like one guy or girl who was like the star of the commercial. Now they're just like beefing it up to get like multiple people in these commercials. Do you still care about the Super Bowl commercials or are you just kind of No, I don't didn't really pay much attention to them. In fact, we were talking about yesterday Danny Ryan, who's of course the young guy of the group. He said, "What's your favorite?" I said, "I honestly don't even I do remember seeing LL Cool J cuz he kind of looks the same. Like, kid in play doesn't look the same. <laughs> like, I'm 47 years old. I know who kid in play are, but I didn't really catch on to the kid in play until, like, the end of the commercial. But I'm thinking to myself, if you're – I don't even know what they were advertising. Oh, I don't remember either. I don't remember what half those advertisements were for. Or was I know the, the Dunkin' Donuts was because they just had the Dunkin' Donuts on, like, the jerseys for Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and Tom Brady. If it wasn't for them having on the jersey, I wouldn't remember what the commercial was. Yeah, they definitely, you know, it was hard to not see what that was for. But, like, the Kid and Play one, I don't remember what yeah, they were actually advertising. But I wasn't paying a lot of attention during the commercials as so much as, like, we used to. Um and nobody has really, that I've heard anyway, talked about this one or that one or whatever. It seems that, and if anybody out there listening has one that stood out to you, it was let for us progressive, know. progressive insurance. I didn't even know that. So one of the 2024 commercials made the list of the top 20 all-time ads. I wonder if anybody out there can figure it out. I mean, I would assume it would be the Dunkings commercials. You think that one was the best one? I saw a lot of people liking that one. So, I mean, I personally like the Christopher Walken one. I thought that was hilarious. I did see. I, I saw that, but I was um, not like – 
I was in a different room when that came on. I thought it was hilarious because half the commercial, he basically is making fun of himself. And I thought it was great. I thought it was great that, you know, all these people walking out to him doing impressions to him. And it was just fun. I I enjoyed that. That one. Uh, now, the first one of the whole shebang was the uh, the, the the Wizard of Oz, the new Wizard of Oz movie. Movie, movie yeah. It's the re-variable telling of the original, basically. I'm still a little confused, honestly, if it's supposed to be part prequel and part main story, but I digress. I would imagine that's not one that I'm going to be seeing. Well, the movie that I got excited for, I know you won't be seeing, even though you probably should see it because it's just such a parody, is the new Deadpool movie is coming out this summer. If anybody's watched Deadpool, they know Deadpool is one of the most irreverent movie franchises out there. All right, Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. By the way, did you see the logo for the Super Bowl next year is out, and there's green in the logo. Oh, Eagles are in, or so the Jets if, in. If you're somebody who thinks that the logo colors are a sign of who will be, it, it's purple, red, and green. So you got the Ravens. Jets 49ers. Eagles, oh, Ravens. Eagles, We'll talk about who could be back to the Super Bowl. Q Myers, you'll hear him tonight on 97.3 ESPN Radio, hosting game night at 10 o'clock. He'll join me on the other side as we get a look, a preview of the NFL offseason. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Just after three, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Mike Gill with you till six. Flyers tonight. Uh, have the night off. We'll talk Flyers tonight at 5.30. They beat Arizona last night, 5-3. Sixers beat the Cavs last night. So a couple of Philly teams doing well. Phillies, pitchers and catchers, they report tomorrow... So we are back in the swing of things with the Phils tomorrow. We'll have reports all month leading you up to opening day. You know, opening day is on Thursday, March 28th. It's a 3 o'clock game in Philadelphia against the Braves. Will the Phillies make a move between now and then? We have our eyes on that as well. We'll be talking to Frank and Bob and a lot of Phils this season. I'm really looking forward to the start of the Phils. After what happened with the Eagles and what's going on with the Sixers, we'll talk Sixers with Paul coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll get some more insight there. A lot of NFL news today as uh, we've been kind of hashing it around. This Hassan Reddick stuff that just kind of came down before the show started. So those of you who are just tuning in, Reddick essentially yesterday, of course, the news was that Reddick had kind of got permission to get traded, seek a trade, if you will. That was according to the NFL Network. Well, today, Reddick himself tweeted out, he kind of subtweeted a report from Jordan Schultz from Bleacher Report. And Schultz tweeted that he just spoke to Eagles all-pro pass rusher Hassan Reddick, who tells me he never requested a trade and he wants to stay in Philadelphia. He said, quote, I would like to get an extension done here at home. At no point did I ever tell the organization I want to be traded. Reddick, of course, has one year 
left on that deal. It was a three-year deal that he signed. He says, quote, this is home for me. I was born and raised here. Two of the most fun years playing football in my life came here. I've cherished being an eagle. So I don't think Reddick wants to be traded. But this is essentially the offseason. This is what the offseason will happen. Uh, and we're going to talk to Q Myers, host of Game Night on 97.3 ESPN. You can hear him tonight at 10 o'clock. Um, and this is really the first big story of the Eagles offseason. And it's kind of a big one. you got one of the premier pass rushers in all of football. And the team is essentially saying, go ahead, find a trade. If you can find something, let us know. And I think the Eagles are essentially... You know, like a lot of teams, they don't want to pay players who are 30 years old and they're in a situation where they'll say, if someone else wants to pay you, let them pay you, and then we'll try to figure it out. So that starts the Eagles offseason. We look at the NFL offseason, a preview of it all with Q Myers, host of Game Night on 97.3 ESPN Radio, weeknights at 10. And, of course, you'll hear him tonight talking all things NFL and I'm sure some NBA and more. But he joins me now on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Q, what's up, buddy? Hey, man, how you doing? You got back to uh, got back to town okay. You made it out of Vegas. Let me tell you, <laughs> I was whipped on Saturday. I was jet-lagged upside down and inside out. About to tell you party people what it's all about, man. I was hurting. There you go. Um, by <laughs> the way, Vegas will do that to you. Vegas will do that to you even without going out and partying and having a good time. Well, Vegas just has a way to do it. It does. Well, Q, <laughs> and you know, like, you know, a lot of people think you're out there partying up like you, by the way. Q was working his ass off. He was the number one worker out there. But it wasn't <laughs> like we were out there rocking it till the wee hours of the morning. It just, the energy of doing a show out there every day is just crazy. You're just constantly moving and moving and moving and moving. Now, for those of you out there, Q is based in Vegas. So that is where you're living right now. But we're out there infiltrating your hometown. I will say what impressed me the most about the situation, I've been to plenty of uh, Super Bowls. It didn't feel like the Super Bowl was in Vegas. It just felt like another day out there. Yeah, it did. And it was an electric day, an electric week. And that's kind of how the vibe is all the time here in Las Vegas. But what it did feel like is that a bunch of our family members were in town, right? And we were having a big family reunion and we were hanging out. We were talking football. We were chopping it up and we were talking about the Super Bowl and what was going to come up. And I think Vegas did a great job for the hosting the Super Bowl for the very first time. Uh, but it's something that Vegas is built for, right? Big, Vegas is built for a big-time events. So it didn't feel overwhelming. It didn't sound like, oh, that's the only thing that was going on in town. And please believe it wasn't the only thing going on in town. But it, it went off without a hitch. There I thought it was a, fantastic. By the way, there was a big-time boxing match out there on, uh, what was that, Friday night that people would never even have known was going on. But there was one at the Mandalay Bay that was on ESPN. I mean, a big-time boxing match that I had no clue until I walked right by the arena. I was like... Holy mackerel, this fight's going on right here, but you would not have known it. Yeah, I thought it went over well. Tell us a little bit about your overview of a game that got off to a slow start, hit a hole at halftime, was so boring, and then turns into one of the epic finishes of all time. What was the buzz in Vegas about the way the game ended? Yeah, it was exciting. I mean, it was. It turned into a great game, obviously, over time. And you've got the Chiefs and the 49ers. And you've got that guy named Patrick Mahomes that, I mean, just for me personally, just made it, let me be known, let it be known that, hey, man, 
this is a guy that you're going to have to contend with for years, right? And just let it be known that don't give this guy the ball last. Similar to what we used to always say about Tom Brady, you gave him too much time, you gave him too much time, or guys like Aaron Rodgers gave him too much time. Patrick Mahomes is in that category. If you give him enough time, and he doesn't need a lot, he's going to find a way to get it done. If it's with his arm, he's going to get it done with his arms. If he's going to get it done with his legs, he'll get it done with his legs. But he's going to find a way to get it done. So you have to, another example of you can't exchange touchdowns for field goals. You know, you just can't. Because uh, if you get field goals, then he's going to get touchdowns, and he's going to find a way to win, and that's why the Chiefs are now back-to-back champions. But going to overtime, I thought it was a, a fun game to watch and, and just see how it all shook out and the chess match between the Niners and the Chiefs. But ultimately, with you know Kyle Shanahan not quite known, knowing the new overtime rules and uh, his players obviously not knowing them either, uh, it ended up being the team that was more prepared, the team that's been there, done that, and got it done. Got it done in the Kansas City Chiefs. Q Myers game night tonight on 97.3 ESPN weeknights at 10. Is that the story after the game? More so, is it Kansas City's place in NFL lore or the mismanagement by Kyle Shanahan and his players essentially admitting they didn't know the rules? You know, I think it's all of the above, to be honest. The way that we've been breaking down the game, we try to look at it from multiple different angles. But, I mean, off top, you've got to give Kansas City so many props for what they're able to do. And, I mean, think about this, Mike. This is a year where everyone said that they're down. This is a year they're vulnerable. They don't have the receivers. They don't have the playmakers. You know, Patrick Mahomes can't get it done on his own. They're only in it because of their defense. That's the words that we all, and when I say we, I say me. We all said, right? And, and all of a sudden we look up and they're hoisting another Lombardi trophy just because, again, teams like that that are special, that know how to get it done. And when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, you're always going to have an opportunity. And Travis Kelsey obviously stepped up in a major way. The defense continued to be the defense and slowed down the 49ers when it came to uh, you know field goals and it came to the, the red zone. They were able to hold them to field goals as opposed to multiple touchdowns. You know, of course, they had the, the nice little trick play that they ran that I thought was going to be intercepted, but uh, the 49ers were able to pull that one off and get into the end zone. But I'm telling you, man, it's just you've got to give the Chiefs so much credit for what they're able to do, and they are the standard of the NFL now. Every team, especially in the AFC, is chasing those guys. I mean, they are just about the New England Patriots when they went on that run and they won all those Super Bowls, and nobody uh, was surprised when the Patriots were back in the Super Bowl. That's how it is with Kansas City. The only difference is I don't know how long Andy Reid is going to coach for. So it could change once Andy Reid is, is no longer the head coach. But as long as those two guys are there together, Reid and Mahomes, they got a chance. They got a greater chance than anybody to win a Super Bowl again. Q on Friday when we had you on at Radio Row, we both agree that Shanahan and his past was a big storyline in this game. And he is now at the forefront again for the Niners. So my question for you as we kind of tie it into what's going, what happened here in Philadelphia is San Francisco going to go the way of the Eagles and kind of have a season that just kind of falls apart? Or are they back at the top of the mountain next year in the NFC? Well, it looks like they're already starting to have a little trouble in paradise, right? I mean, Brandon Ayuk has got his, uh, you know, his girlfriend and his best friend talking about we're out of here. He's got a year left on his deal. He's talking about let's go to Vegas, and he, he's just about seeing like he wants to be a Raider already. And it's just it seems like things are starting to fall apart, and that was that's what happens. And you know very well what happens when you lose the Super Bowl. Things start to you know fall apart at the seams, and it seems like Brandon Ayuk, who's a big time player doesn't want to be there in San Francisco for one reason or the other, which is always co- contract-related. I'm sure he wants an extension. I'm sure the Niners are looking at it like, hey, man, you still got a year left on your deal. We'll worry about it later.
year. So he's probably going to try to force the issue to either get that deal done or get up out of there, right? And then, of course, Brock Purdy, he's not even eligible for a, a contract extension for another year. That's going to be a question. Trent Williams, he's getting older, right? Christian McCaffrey, he had a hell of a run. You know, is he going to be healthy next year? I can see a, a, a path where things don't go necessarily right for the 49ers next season because, again, that hangover is real. The Eagles went 10-1 and before it all fell apart, right? I mean, the Eagles looked like that they were, even though it wasn't pretty, and it looked like they won a couple games that they probably shouldn't have, they were still 10-1. and So it looked like, okay, they're avoiding this Super Bowl hangover, and ultimately it caught up to him at some point, and he saw how the season yeah, ended. Yeah, well, you said Friday you thought the reason was the locker room, something in the locker room. Yep. You just hinted that eh, maybe there's some outside factors that could be creeping in with this Niners team. Yeah, I saw the Ayuk stuff. You know, how do you not get your all-pro wide receiver more than three catches in this game? So keep an eye on San yep. Francisco and what happens next for them. I'm at ESPN.com right now. Q Myers is my guest from game night right here on 97.3 ESPN. The top headline is Eagles Reddick says he never requested a trade. So Q Myers, he's one of the elite pass rushers in the league. He's on the last year of his deal. He's going to be 30 years old. This seems like one of those ominous changing of the guards potentially that Howie Roseman is going to have to make. That first decision of... Do we bring back the 30-year-old guy and give him the extension that he wants, or is it time for us to start over? That's the top headline at ESPN.com right now. So how do you break that down? I'll tell you what, man. When I saw that yesterday, it blew my mind. That was one of the big things that we talked about on game night is why, right? Why would you let that guy go? He had, what, 17 sacks the season that the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, what, 11 and a half or almost 12 uh, last season, like, that's a premier guy, as you mentioned, man. That's a dude who can get after the quarterback and give you double-digit sacks. And so it always boils down to money, right? There's always tough decisions made by each and every team. Uh, it did kind of catch my eye, though, when he said that he didn't request a trade because that was the first thing I saw was, oh, they've granted Hassan Reddick an opportunity to get, you know, for a trade. I'm like, wait, why would he want to leave there? So clearly he wants the extension, but they're pivoting to the point where, hey, he's available if anyone needs a pass rusher. And I'll tell you this, man, if I'm a team out there that thinks that I'm really close, I'm I'm exploring it. I'm exploring to see what it would take to go get him because, man, that guy can do what not a lot of guys can do, which is get to the quarterback consistently. He's shown that multiple years with the, the Eagles. He showed that the year with the Panthers. He even showed that his like final two seasons there in Arizona that he can get that. I mean, and, and of course, this is a guy that you know very well even when he was at Temple. So uh, I like Hassan Reddick a lot. I think he's going to be valuable to some team. Kind of shocked that the Eagles are kind of putting it out there that he's available. Uh, but then again, they might just go ahead and and uh, let a team do all the heavy lifting and say, hey, you know what, we'll go ahead and match that. We'll keep you around. You know, I could totally see that happening, but I'm really shocked that Hassan Reddick is available right all now. Right, well, by way that, of the Eagles. that in lies the conversation here, Q. This is the crossroads of the NFL. Mm -hmm. He's 30. He's going to be 30 in September. You hit that part where do we want to keep paying you for past production, and at what point does that production start to take the turn? They got him at below market value for two years and then they're saying eh, we already got two over on you do we want yeah. you to get one over on us and there lies the stare down where the eagles i don't think want to get rid of them they also don't want to extend them and they're saying well if you can go find someone who wants to pick up the tab go for it but it's almost right. a stare down in the nfl of once you hit a certain age nobody wants to pay you as we're probably going to find out about these running backs that are on the market this free agent season 
Yeah, there's no doubt, man. And, you know, the thing about it is, and I think the Patriots did this and made it really popular, was to let guys go a year early than a year late, right? You let them go maybe where they have one productive year away from your organization and people say, oh, man, why did they make that move? And, and, you know, that guy was a really productive player. And then all of a sudden the next year the bottom falls out. Perfect example, I'd say James Bradbury, right? I think the Giants let James Bradbury go a year too soon, right? And, and and but it worked out perfectly. The Eagles got a really good year out of James Bradbury last year. You know, not so much. So I I think that that's what starts to happen. You hit it on the head, man. That thirty years old, the 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 pay grade. They don't want to do that. They don't want to pay these guys, and they're they're more comfortable with letting a guy go have one productive year somewhere else and say, hey, that's all right. We'll try to make up for it. And then instead, of, as opposed to having them on the on the hook for a couple of years and have to pay them, and you're not getting that production, so I could totally see that. But Son Reddick's a hell of a player, man. I'm still a little shocked at that that he's available. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that ends up happening. Now, Reddick did come out and say, "I never asked to be traded. I want right. to end in Philadelphia," which I don't think anybody doubts that he's from Camden, went to Temple, yep. had two great years here. We'll see. By the way, Vic Fangio, what does he see in Reddick, and what's his mm. say? in on that. Keep an eye on that. Q Myers game night here on 97.3 ESPN. You'll hear him tonight at 10 o'clock. When you guys start to look at some of the biggest off-season stories to kick this thing off, what are you keying in on? I mean, it's got to be the quarterbacks and the teams that want the quarterbacks, right? And, and I know it's that's the draft and free agency hits first, but I think we're going to learn a lot about these teams during free agency. I think we're going to learn a lot about these teams as soon as the, the new regular season hits and they start to make their moves and start to pivot. And those three teams at the top, man, I mean, you've got Chicago, they need a quarterback. Washington needs a quarterback. Uh, the, the Patriots need a quarterback. Somebody's going to move off that. I don't think that they're going to pick one, two, three. So who's going to be the team that says, hey, we'll go up there and pay a king's ransom to go get our potential quarterback of the future? I'm in Vegas. It could very easily be the Raiders, right? They need a quarterback. Who's going to trade for Justin Fields if Chicago holds on to their pick? It's always based around the quarterbacks, man. It's always going to be the biggest conversation. And in a draft class like this, this is this is what it's all about. Everyone's trying to find their guy to compete with the dude who just won the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes. Like that's the goal. And I remember being at the bottom of the Rocky Steps right there with you in Philadelphia when that draft happened when Pat, Patrick Mahomes was selected number 10 overall by Kansas City. They traded up from 27 to number 10 to go get that guy, and that was the best investment that they ever made. That was the best trade that they ever made because they're set up for years to come because they have that guy. So every team is going to try to look for their next dude that can compete with Patrick Mahomes. Meanwhile, on the same night, Mitch Trubisky was drafted number two. He has now been released again. You and I are tied to the Mahomes draft, and that's why he's the champion. That's why he's the best. That's where I met Q Myers on the Rocky Steps, and now here we are all these years later watching it all unfold with Mahomes becoming maybe the best of all time. And, you know, I'm 47, Q. I watched the whole Patriots 20-year run, and I thought, we'll never see something like this again. Well, we're halfway there, but can it continue? Isaiah Pacheco, local guy from Vineland, he said after the game, we got three more left in us. Bold statement, or is he right? Yep. I mean, it's a bold statement, but it's a correct statement, (laughs) right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes is young. He is a young dude. I could see this guy going on this run for quite a while. Like I said, I think the biggest key here is going to be how long Andy Reid wants to do this because I don't know who's going to take that spot following Reid. But, man, I mean, as long as you've got Patrick Mahomes, you really do have a chance. And, you know, they could be that dominant force. They they could easily get three more. I, I could easily see three more. I mean, look, I look at the teams right now. Okay, who's going to beat them next year? 
right? I mean, they. I know that they're not the odds-on favorite. I know the 49ers are right now. I don't know why. I, I would I would not bet against Kansas City. I think that every one of us should have learned by now. And it's not easy just to keep running the table and getting back into the Super Bowl. I get that. But, man, as long as you've got Patrick Mahomes, you've got Travis Kelsey. I know he's getting a little bit older. You've got that guy in Andy Reid that's going to push the right buttons, man. You've got a great chance. So, yeah, I think we're watching greatness right now. We're watching, you know, basically uh, the what this is maybe the LeBron James era where, uh, you know, uh, Tom Brady was Michael Jordan and now – now you're starting to see uh, Patrick Mahomes be LeBron James. Like that's that conversation that they're in. They're in rare air. And I'll tell you right now, even though I cover the Raiders and I'm a Raider fan, I'm I'm just loving watching what that guy's doing because that is greatness. And if you don't appreciate it, you're gonna miss out. Uh, Q Myers tonight. You'll hear more on 97.3 ESPN. 10 o'clock game night, weeknights at 10, right here on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Q. We'll catch up to you soon, bud. Yes, sir. Appreciate you as always. All right. That's Q Myers from uh, ESPN Radio's Game Night, which you can hear weeknights at 10 on 97.3 ESPN, including tonight. A lot of good off-season storylines. We'll continue to dive into them. But when we come back, Sixers win one last night. What did it tell us? Who are the Sixers now? Paul Hudrick will fill us in on how this team could look if they were a complete team with Joel Embiid. What did we learn from that game last night? That was a really good win on the road against a good Cavs team, number two in the Eastern Conference. Heck, that team had won 17 out of 18 games. And the Sixers went in there last night and beat them on their home floor. What's that say about the ceiling of this team with Joel Embiid? Let's not make any mistake about it. We're not sitting here trying to say, oh, they can win and go deep without Joel. No, 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 no. But how does Joel fit into what we've seen with this roster in the last couple nights? We'll ask Paul Hudrick from Liberty Ballers when he joins us next on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. We have the perfect for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Traffic, come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. All right, 327 Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. I want to tell you about my friends over at Progressive Fence and Railing. They're your secret weapon this winter. Now, today was snowing a little bit when I was driving to work. This is the time you want to be thinking about the spring and summer, the nice weather. Maybe you're sitting out on a new stylish deck. Maybe a new awning to keep that hot sun from hitting you hard on the deck. We'll do it with my friends at Progressive Fence and Railing. They are your secret weapon. Grab a free estimate today. Visit ProgressiveFenceAndRail.com. Mike Gill in the Sports Bash. Don't forget Sixers basketball tomorrow night against the Heat. That's their final game before the All-Star break. So the Sixers play tomorrow night, and then they are off until Thursday. They got a tough little stretch of games coming up. Heat, Knicks, Cavs. Bucks, Celtics, yeesh, could be a kind of defining 
series for them, or set of games, I should say. We're going to talk a little Sixers with Paul Hudrick from Liberty Ballers in just a second here. I look at last night, and I'm not saying, oh, my God, this team could win the NBA championship if they just get Joel Embiid back. But did it paint a better picture of who they could be if Embiid is back? Like, look, nobody is sitting here telling you, hey, without Joel Embiid, the Sixers, they can win a championship. Not happening. The question is now. Once Lowry's here, which I guess will be tomorrow, Buddy Heal has played a couple of games now, so we've kind of seen what he adds to this team. We really haven't seen a finished product because a lot of guys are still Harris and Batum, and they haven't really fit in. But one thing is for sure. When you look at this team, okay, when you look at them now, they are definitely a pretty deep team. Are they deep enough, though, when Joel returns that they have the ability to make a deep run? I think that's it. This Sixers team plus Kyle Lowry, and if he can get Embiid, are they a dangerous enough team that they can be a contender in the East? I don't know that Paul has the answer in terms of when Joel could return. We did hear from Daryl Morey the other day. He sounded somewhat optimistic, but let's dive into it now. Our buddy Paul Hudrick from Liberty Ballers is back as the Sixers pull off a fun win last night. That was a fun game. It kind of went back and forth, and it looked like the Cavs were finally going to catch them and then pass them, and the Sixers kept holding them off. Big shots. Buddy Heald coming out of nowhere. Paul, they made all these trades last week. Didn't know what to think of them. Now that we've seen a little bit of it, we haven't seen a full product. Is there a more clear picture of what this team hopes they can be? Well, it looks really great uh, considering how good Buddy Heal has looked. Um, you know, I don't know you could ask much more of him through the first three games as a sixer. I think he's looked terrific. Um, and it's not just the, the you know, the obvious of three-point shooting that we all knew he could do. And, and, you know, one of the best three-point shooters in the entire NBA over his entire career, but Man, I mean, he can put it on the floor. Like, I, it's funny because I, 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 when they first made the trade, people were kind of like, oh, well, this is like a movement shooter. This is like J.J. Redick. Listen, and with all due respect to J.J. Redick, who is one of the greatest shooters I've ever seen, it's very clear Buddy Heald has a lot more to his offensive game than J.J. Redick ever did. He can put the ball on the floor. He had eight assists last night. He had six in each of the first two games. Like, so he has just looked, um, uh, you know, he's looked great. That trade looks like, I mean, I'll say too, Mike, like at the time, I thought that trade was tremendous. Like I, it looked like a no brainer, you know, second round picks for, for this guy, I thought was a great deal. I, I don't know why the Pacers did it, uh, quite frankly, but then, yeah, the, the other deals were a little bit more head scratching. I'll say that, you know, campaign has impressed me. I, I think he's looked better than I thought he would. He's much more of a, uh, floor general, I guess you would say like a true point guard than I thought he was. I thought he was more of a score first and, you know, if he gets hot from three, but no, he's looked more like a, like a guy that can organize an offense and really lead a unit. I've been really impressed by him as well. Um, you know, the Springer trade, I'm, the jury's still very much out on me for that one. I, you know, uh, Darren Worry's explanation was essentially we value that second-round pick to help us this offseason more than what we think Jaden Springer could help us with in the playoffs. Maybe that is the case. I think it's fair to assume that Jaden Springer probably wasn't going to help you in this playoff run. 
but to only get a second round pick for him and uh, to give him to the Boston Celtics, a little dicey to me. Um, and I still don't love the idea that Patrick Beverly is on the Bucks and he's going to be helping out a rival. But uh, with all that said, you know, through the first three games, it, it's pretty clear uh, this team already looks much better. And you can see the vision when Joel Embiid comes back, um, when everybody comes back, how good they could be. All right, that's where I want to kind of go. So, obviously, no Joel Embiid, you're not winning an NBA championship. But can you have a vision in your mind where he fits in with what's left over? Because, as you just said, like, I, you know, I hate giving up Springer. I thought he was a great on-ball defender that they just lacked in the playoffs. And Beverly similarly gives you that toughness that you seemingly have lacked in the playoffs. Same with a guy like Morris. But they were just so limited offensively. And without Embiid, it was starting to show that, man, there's way too much on Maxie's plate. So let's help Maxie out. Hope we can stay afloat and then get Embiid back. And then how does he fit in? Pretty seamlessly, right? I mean, he's, he's, he was well on his way to another MVP award. Um, if he hadn't gotten hurt, I mean, I think he would have ran away with it the, the year he was having. Um, so, and I think this version of Joel Embiid, I think that's important too, Mike. Like this version, the way he was playing before he got hurt, I think it's going to fit in seamlessly because again, a guy like Buddy Heald, you watch what he does, and it's not like he is this high-usage guy, right? Like, he doesn't need the ball in his hands a ton to make an impact. Um, and you have him. Uh, you, you see what Maxi has done, and, and kind of to your point before, like how much Maxi had struggled and just simply giving him a guy like Heald to play next to, how much better he's looked over the past couple games because of that. Um, then you're going to add Nicholas Batum back into this mix. I, I'm really – I think him and Buddy Heald – I could see them having a really interesting chemistry and, and the way that they can kind of play it off each other, I think. And, and again, two guys that can really shoot the basketball and those two playing off Joel Embiid. Um, I just think, Mike, like, I'll put it like this. Before Joel Embiid got hurt, what the roster looked like then and what the roster has the potential to look like when he comes back, I think it, it it's on paper looks like it's going to be better. And I like – that there's not as many weaknesses, there's not as many holes in the roster. And I, I do, I think this version of Joel Embiid that was making quick decisions, that was sharing the basketball, you know, by far would have set his highest assists uh, per game mark. And then I think given that and, and that he's going to be able to take a step back and see how these guys are playing right now without him, I think he's going to step right in and I think it's going to look, it's going to be It's going to be interesting, it's, it's going to take time, it's not going to be instant, I wouldn't say, but... Uh, there's potential that it could be really special when it all comes together. All right, Paul Hudrick, Liberty Ballers. Yeah, because all of a sudden, I mean, you look at the depth chart and you're saying, okay, Melton's still out. Lowry's not here. Ubre healed Melton, Lowry. Like, how do they can – Ricky Council, by the way, has said, hey, don't forget about me. You know, you're talking about six guards and campaign. Another guard – how are they, you know, the depth that they have at that position, how they can kind of mix and match. You mentioned seamlessly for Embiid. The funny part is, you know, not too long ago, they went out and got Ilya Sova and Bellinelli and changed the dynamics of the team. I'm not saying they're changing the complete dynamics, but they kind of are. It's a much more guard-oriented situation here. Um, but how do they figure out those guard minutes? Or do we see something that he's done a lot more of and going really small? I mean, he had a a very small lineup out there last night at times. I think I would throw that into the uh, good problem category, uh, especially when you consider the history of the Sixers recently when 
we all were begging for guards. You know, give us anyone that could that could put the ball on the floor and can do some things. Now you have you have Kyle Lowry, you have Campaign, you have Tyrese Max, you have Buddy Heald, you have Kelly Oubre Jr. To an extent, you have Nicholas like Nicholas Batum. Like you have multiple players that can do this. And I think, Mike, when you look at the Boston Celtics right now, what makes them so dangerous? is that they have four guys in their starting lineup that can all hurt you off. The, they can all shoot it, and they can all hurt you off the dribble. Um, and that's really hard to defend because when the ball is moving and you're penetrating and you're making the defense collapse and you're kicking it out for threes, that's a really tough offense to stop. And I think right now you have – look, look you're, not, you're not the Boston Celtics, and you also haven't gotten to the point where you're, you're healthy enough to see how it looks. But I think – I say that to say, like, that's kind of what – you know, that, that that's – uh, that can resemble that. It can resemble, you know, when you have a guy like Buddy Heald, who, yes, a prolific three-point shooter, but can also beat a closeout. Um, same with, you know, go up and down the list, Maxie Lowry. Like, they can all do that. They can all beat a guy off the dribble. They can all attack an over-aggressive closeout. You can't leave them open for three because they can all punish you from three. So I think when I look at that, and then I look at Joel Embiid and – it's an interesting point you bring up with Ilyasova and Bellinelli because you see how much that transformed their offense. And yeah, I, Mike, I don't think it's crazy at all to think that Buddy Heald, one of the, again, one of the best three-point shooters of, of the last decade, could completely change their offense. I don't think it's crazy to think that at all. Um, and then yeah, we didn't even mention De'Anthony Melton, who, who I think they've really missed. And I think this stretch has kind of showed his value in that sense as a volume three-point shooter. But I, I think, too, like the last thing I'll say about it is when you look at the other teams in the conference – the Sixers might actually be the deepest. I, I don't think it's crazy to say no. that. I think w- when Embiid is back, you look at all the options they have and the way they can mix and match and the way they can match up. Um, like I said off the top, I think that this is a very good problem to have that you have all these players that can play and maybe not enough spots for them. All right. Before I ask you the question I was going to ask you first, let me go to this one. How confident are you, Paul Hudrick, that we will see Embiid in the regular season again. Pretty confident. Really? Pretty confident. Yeah, pretty confident. He's, I, I you know, the four weeks reevaluation. I think, I think we we can all agree we don't we don't see that as as something that's going to happen. Like he's probably not going to be back in four weeks. I don't think six weeks is out of the is that is is out of the realm of possibility at all. He could get back in six weeks and you know possibly ramp up it and play some regular season games. And if he does. Uh, it's it'll obviously be a huge help. It'll be a huge help for him to help him get in some game shape. It'll be a huge help for the surrounding cast because they'll be able to play off him and kind of and especially for the newer guys like Buddy Heald, like Campaign, like Kyle, Kyle Lowry, who are going to have to adjust to him because he everything runs through him. So they're all going to have to figure that out. But yeah, I, I mean, I would say pretty confident. And I think too, even I think the Sixers are being publicly being very careful. And th- which they should be. I think they're being very careful to not say, oh, we definitely think he's going to be back for the season because what if he does suffer a setback in the next four weeks and then they look, you know, then they have egg on their face and they look very silly to say that. So I think they're being careful, but uh, but I, I really think, uh, you know, I don't think to say, like if he, Mike, let's say it's eight weeks, right? Let's say that's the conservative end of that. Even that, he would still have maybe a handful of games he would potentially get to play in. So I, I'm I'm pretty confident that he will be back for some regular season games. How many, I don't know. What he will look like, I don't know. 
but but I feel confident he will be back for the, for by the end of the regular season. Okay, with that answer, then I would ask you: with Joel and Bead in the lineup, what would Paul Hudrick's starting lineup look like? Game one of a playoff series with the with what we have now. I know we haven't even right. seen Lowry play. I would imagine he would not be a starter. But who would you go with? as the five guys to start a game if Joel's back? Well, the four guys, I think four guys are locked in. Uh, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, and I would say Nicholas Batum. I think those are the four guys, to me at least, that are locked in. They are going to be the four starters. Where it gets interesting is that off-ball guard spot because DeAnthony Melton has been good as a starter. Um, You know, he's got chemistry with the guys on the floor. He's looked good in that role, but... Man, the way Buddy Heald has looked and the way he has opened up this offense, um, imagine inserting that with a Joel Embiid healthy in the lineup. That's when you're an, an opposing team and you have to worry about Joel Embiid operating in that mid-range from that nail, and then you have Maxi Heald, Batum, Harris all running around and all could hit a three, all could finish the, at the basket. Like that is a That's a really dangerous offensive lineup you have to go up against. Now, you're sacrificing something on defense, like clearly, because you know uh, Maxi and Buddy Heald is not as going to not going to be as good defensively as Maxi and Melton. But with that said, if you have a healthy Joel Embiid and he's protecting the rim, uh, you have a Nicholas Batum in there who's a pretty darn good perimeter defender. Uh, if you have Tobias Harris in there who I think is a pretty underrated defender, you, you can mix and match and make it work. Um, you know the teams are going to hunt Heald, uh, they're going to hunt Maxi. I think Heald's been a little better than I thought defensively to start but we'll see how that goes as the season goes on and in the playoffs the guys never played in a playoff game so i'm interested in that so i guess as we sit here right now mike i lean towards healed but i, I certainly would understand nick nurse going with melton for that defensive aspect of it it'll be interesting because you know okay let's see how many deep would this team be i mean if you're going maxi healed batum harris joel then you got lowry melton Ubre needs his minutes right then you get to the point where, all right, now that's you're at eight guys right there. How deep and how many players do you want to play? Who starts to get kind of knocked out? And, of course, one of the eight, you would have to go to a ninth guy. Someone's going to be either Reed, Reed yeah. or, or or Bamba to play behind. Who's winning that for you right now? Reed, Bamba, who's, who do you like better? I don't I, – to me, it's Paul Reed. And I, don't, I don't think it's particularly close right now um, because I just think Bamba is just so inconsistent – um, did, did you see the lineup he had out there in the last minute of that game last night? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Ricky Council's on the floor with K.J. Martin and Mo Bamba? Yeah. I, listen, Ricky Council, I I really liked him at Arkansas. I thought he could really play. You know, Clearly, the only reason he doesn't get drafted is because he he's really struggles from three. But he can do every, he can literally do everything else. He he can, he's a great slasher. He draws fouls. He finishes at the rim. Has good touch around the rim. Makes his free throws. Uh, rebounds. Plays defense. Like he's got everything else you want. If if he can ever just be a passable three point shooter, that's a rotation level guy. Um, I don't think that's hyperbolic to say. Um, but yeah, I, I would you know nine is probably the number, Mike. To start the playoffs, it's probably nine guys, and it's the guys you just mentioned. It's La- if Heald is the starter, it's Lowry, it's Melton. It's Ubre, and then it's Reed, and then if I had to guess, the guy that might be on the fringes would be Ubre, only because he is a little bit of a wild card in the way he plays. We saw 
beats him. He made that three last night, but man, that was uh, that definitely fell into the ill-advised well, think, category. Think about that. Here's a guy last night played 41 minutes, 10 of 14, two of three from three, hit 24 points. And when he went out for a little while there, you were like, eh, this team's struggling to find a guy to put the ball on the floor. And here we are 10 weeks later, or however, since Christmas, uh, not 10 weeks, I guess, eh, maybe about eight weeks later, saying that he possibly could be the man out of the playoff rotation. It's not crazy to think. I mean, and, and really, Mike, it's it boils down to, for me, this is why I would think it. One, he just can be a little undisciplined at times and freelance and do his own thing. And, you know, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. Um, so if you're looking for a reliable guy, um, you, you might not want to go to him. The shooting, you know, is still pretty suspect. You know, he shot the shot the ball really well to start the season, just hasn't found that groove again since, and he's never been historically been a great three-point shooter. So that's really why. I mean, for me, like I said, I think from the onset he goes nine guys because I do think Oubre brings something in that, you know, that athleticism, that ability to slash and get downhill and get to the rim, finish at the rim, get to the free throw line. Like, those things are valuable. And I think defensively, you know, he gets deflections, he gets blocks. He just, again, he could be a little bit undisciplined in that regard at times. But, yeah, I, I, but to me, again, that, that signifies the depth of this team. Because if it's not him, Mike, it's it's D'Anthony Melton who was starting. So, like, you, you know what I mean? So, like, the rotation, this, this is how deep they get that that's where we are. We're, like, nine guys, and if he ever wants – if Nick Nurse ever wants to knock it down to eight – you're going to be knocking a pretty good player out of the rotation. Really uh, interesting to see what happens there. And that's some positive vibes there. Pretty confident Paul said he thinks that Joel will be back at some point. Look, even if he gets a couple games in April, uh, I, I think it's uh, worth it to try to get him out there. But you got to get his cardio and stuff because you hate to see him first game back. It's, you know, you're 3-6 against the Knicks. And you're like, uh, hey, Joel, go out there and help us win a series. <laughs> uh, Paul Hudrick, Liberty Ballers, Sixers tomorrow night against the Heat. You can hear the game on 97.3 ESPN. And then, what a stretch. Knicks, Cavs, Bucks. Celtics. We'll find out some more about the depth of this team. Paul, enjoy the All-Star break, man. I will, Mike. Thank you. Take care, <laughs> bud. I know he was busy last week. We were uh, touching base while I was in uh, Vegas, and he was like, dude, I'm sorry. The trade deadline's crazy. Uh, but really cool conversation there about the depth of the Sixers. That's what I noticed last night was, you know what? This team is kind of deep right now. Who's the odd man out when Joel comes back? We got that and more coming up. Adam Kaplan will give us some insight on the Hassan Reddick situation. That's coming up in 13 minutes here on the Sports Bash. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. 353 on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. It's a uh, off night for both teams. But Flyers fans, it's time to level up your game day ritual with the ultimate power duo, the Flyers in Union Forge Vodka. 
Cheer on the Flyers with the best-tasting vodka product right here in Philly. Grab a Union Forge bottle today. We'll have more details on how you can score Flyers tickets. By the way, Flyers and uh, Devils Saturday night. You can listen to the game right here on 97.3 ESPN. It is the Stadium Series game. Our Kevin Dursa will be there. He's going to have full coverage all day long. And, of course, he'll join me tonight at 5.30 with a little preview of, uh, you know, the trade deadline in the NHL isn't for another month. Yeah, it's in March, first week of March. Which I kind of like. I mean, it's late, so you can figure out whether you're a buyer or seller. Yeah, me and Durso were joking last week about how, you know, the NBA does their, their trade deadline before the All-Star break. And the NHL says, ah, we'll do ours a month later. Yeah, I mean, the NBA, the NBA All-Star game is this weekend. The deadline was Thursday of last week, so your team is pretty much set right now. Meanwhile, the Flyers, who have played 54 games, so you're coming down the stretch here for the Fly Guys. 64 points, third place in the Metro. They're one point behind Carolina for the second spot. So they are closer to the second spot than they are the Devils in the fourth spot. The Devils, I mean... They are starting to fade. The Flyers are starting to pull away. New Jersey has 56 points. Philadelphia has 64. Now, look at this. The wild card situation. Philadelphia is third in the Metro with 64 points. They are four points up on both Toronto and Detroit in the wild card. So, before, they were not a wild card team. They had to be a Metro placer. Now they actually are ahead of both wildcard teams and they are eight points up on the Devils. So it looks like the Flyers could be in this thing to stay, but are they sellers at the deadline? We'll talk about that tonight with Kevin Durso at 5.30 for you Flyer fans out there. 5.30 tonight, Flyers insider Kevin Durso will join us and he will be live at the Stadium Series game and you can follow all of his coverage on our website, 97.3 ESPN, all his video updates on our Instagram as well. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. I give my heart and soul to this franchise, as so many of us do. Now live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, this is Football at Four. Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It's brought to you by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Adam Kaplan is here from the Inside the Birds podcast, which you can find on any podcasting platform or on their YouTube channel. Just search Inside the Birds. What is the latest on Hassan Reddick? He says he never asked to be traded. Telling Bleacher Reports Jordan Schultz that he never asked for a trade. He wants to remain with the team, but he does want an extension. So, Adam Kaplan from InsideTheBirds.com, what does this all mean? Because it seems like, all right, you didn't ask to be traded, but you have permission to find a trade. We know you want more money. What does this all mean? How is this going to be handled? Yeah, Mike. I've dealt with these things for nearly 25 years. I've covered this business. There is a difference, though. There definitely is. There's. We're going to talk more about this on tomorrow's Inside the Birds, and we talked about it on our, our Monday show, kind of contracts and so forth, which we'll get it, delve into a little bit more here. But there are two differences in, in 
asking to be traded and wanting a new deal and being happy. There, there's a difference. It's basically where Redick is, and this is we did touch on this Monday. We never heard that he really wanted out. It was he's not happy because he's making significantly less than some of the top edge rushers in the NFL, and, and finding the right ca- find the right salary for him and guaranteed money is the challenge. But so, what does it mean? He 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 wants to be an Eagle. He's from the area. We know that. We know. Look, he's a beloved Eagle. We could debate whether. I mean, I I would say he's the best defensive player. I mean, he's just a really good player. Been a great free agent signing, by the way. Terrific. I would say, and we'd have we don't have time to to research this. Roseman's been the GM since 2010. This has got to be in his top five of, of free agent signings. It, it just you know we could debate. We're talking signings, not trades, by the way. We're talking. He was a free agent signing, so it's been a great signing, great guy. Everybody loves him. Yeah, the sack numbers were down, but he still had a good season. The question now at 30, which he turned to September, and that's when you're, if you turn 30 in September, you're 30 in the NFL years, there's no debate about it. How do you find a happy medium? That, for agency, by the way, he switched, as we noted on Monday. He switched agencies. So when you do that, you're looking, look, the agent's going to want a big deal, and the, the player wants a big deal. Finding something that's going to work. That's, I don't get the sense that the Eagles are against doing something here, but... We'll have to see what happens here. Now, the Eagles typically don't like these things playing out, they're waiting on this, but there is a recent example of this. I was thinking right before we started. Remember Zach Ertz and, and Howie Roseman had their issue. They couldn't, that, if you recall, there was that video of them before he got traded. It might have been a year before it, but he was on the, he was, it was a pregame. Someone got video of it. They were having a healthy discussion. Zach wound up getting traded at that trade deadline three years ago, if you recall. And he didn't get his, his extension, but he did play out the season before, and he did play it out to the, to the trade deadline. So there's an example of the Eagles not doing something and letting it play out. But if you're a son, Reddick, Mike, and we'll go over the numbers with you, when you look at some of these guys, and then there's no offense, there are a lot of really phenomenal football players. Like I used the example on Monday, is Nick Bosa really $19 million a year more worth more than Nick Bosa? No, he's not. Maybe twelve million, ten million, but I'm sorry, not nineteen million a season more. Yeah, so there are you know guys around the league as you mentioned, um, the landscape for edge rushers. But how much? Th- this is the interesting part for me in all this, Adam, sure. is the age. All right, okay, you're going to be thirty years old, and like the Eagles have been burned recently by paying people for past performance, which is something they never did in the past. But they've, you know, Bradbury, oh, we'll give you a three-year deal. Now they're looking back and saying, so this is going to be an interesting stare down for me. And then when they did the last restructure, which was more money with Alshon Jeffrey, that turned out to be a mistake. Uh, That that, that didn't work. Um, The Eagles, historically, under Roseman and Joe Banner before, they they usually make good bets. You know, they, they don't get a lot wrong, but... You make a great point, Mike. Bradbury blew up in flames, and as uh, Greg Cosell told us on our Inside the Birds pregame show, you never know when a guy's going to lose it. You can't, you can't see that. Now, with Bradbury, as you brought him up, yes, he was a second-team All-Pro in 2022, and the numbers look good, by the way. It balls thrown at and how much he gave up. But it, we, we, as we noted on our show with uh, Mosher and I, we had so many teams, uh, two teams in particular, tell us how many times they wanted to go after Bradbury. They didn't think he ran very well, but they couldn't protect and this past season, they could protect, and he got annihilated. So, you're right, Mike. It's very fair. You, you just don't know. He is 30. Uh, he doesn't have a big injury history. And by the way, Redick has no injury history to speak of. That, that's not been the problem. He's just, it, 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 it's 30, but he's not really slowing up, Mike. That's, it's, yeah, the, the, the sack numbers were down, but a lot of the pressure numbers were good. I'm not so sure that 
and I'm not taking side. We don't do that on Inside the Birds. We, we'll tell you if we think he's right and ask for money. Sure as hell is. But uh, you've got to be careful for how much you ask for. And that that is the issue, Mike. Is, is there a happy medium here? Now, we're early here. He's under contract. Eagles don't have to do anything. They, and, and Hassan doesn't knows that, yes, they give him permission to seek a trade, but even even if his agent, Tory Dan, Dandy, finds three or four teams that want him, A, that team's got to pay him and give up good compensation, and the Eagles would have to agree to that. So there's a lot, a lot of moving parts here. That's the big thing. Like, the way this kind of plays out, like, okay, the report was that he has been given permission to seek a trade. It's not that he potentially asked. His agent yeah. might have said, hey, should we talk about his contract? And the Eagles might have said, eh, not right now, but if you want to find someone else to pay him, you're free to do so. I think the Eagles are saying, thinking, Adam, I don't know that there's anybody out there that's going to pay you what you think you're going to get. So when you come back to us, let us know. Oh, you know what? I wanna I wanna add something to that. I didn't know you were going to go there. So this brings up something we're going to talk about tomorrow inside the birds. But I'll give you a sneak preview. So one of the things that Roseman does that's just really smart is he does this in most, if not all, contract negotiations or guys who are free agents or guys that um, maybe want out, whatever the case may be. Hey, go find your best deal. In this case, he could do this. I'd be shocked if he didn't. Let us know what you get now. They definitely need to do this because Reddick is on a contract. They own his contractual rights. Let us know what's out there. Now, obviously, uh, Assad and his agent have to tell the truth here. They can't exaggerate it. And then the Eagles could say, okay, you, and I know that a lot of teams do this. They let the agent do the work, they, and they have to, they'll have they decide if they want to match. Again, he's under contract, but they could say, yeah, you know what, we could do that. Let's, let's get this done. Or, no, we're not doing that. Uh, then they have to make a decision where they're going to trade him. See, the, the one issue that I would say here and I'm not, I, I just, I know Assange is an awesome guy, but it becomes a real big distraction because at some point, let's say this for argument's sake, it goes to August and September, and you know how Assange spoke up. He's spoken up respectively. He did after 22, by the way, when, when he had an unbelievable, one of the best edge rusher seasons he goes had in, in years. And then you, you, he saw a bunch of deals get done, Mike, and we'll get to some of those deals in a second. It, it, it just, I, I, I feel, I, I get it. I, I understand why he brought that up. When Nick Chubb, when Bradley Chubb got his deal, uh, um, Max Crosby got his deal in particular, and he and Hassan's making eight, over a million a season less, that's, that's a big deal. I get that. All right, Adam Kaplan, Football at Four, Inside the Birds podcast. What is the contractual landscape uh, for edge rushers around football right now? Because I guess Reddick is somewhat accurate in saying he's underpaid. Yes. Again, I, I'm just trying to be fair about this. Uh, I, I know some people say, well, you know what? He's a one-trick pony. He's just an edge rusher. Well, that's what he is. That's, it's like, I get it. He's a smaller guy. Well, you know what? Be careful what you ask for. Nolan Smith will be his replacement if they trade him or if, 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 if whenever he's done playing for the Eagles, if he, if he stays. Nolan Smith didn't show much. He's a smaller player. He's, got a little bit, he's a little bit taller. The frames are very similar. What did Nolan Smith show anybody, quite frankly? 1.5 sacks, he had a sack, uh, I think, in the playoff game. But, Mike, that, that's, you know, I know there's some people I've seen on social media are, like, really not happy with Hassan. Okay, that's, you're right. But, okay, you don't, you want, if you want Hassan to walk after this year, you want him traded, do you really believe Nolan Smith is ready? I mean, let, let's, let's be careful here. 
No question about that. I mean, uh, is Nolan Smith ready to pick up the slack? But uh, what about some of the other contractual issues okay. aside from Reddick on the defensive side of the ball that the Eagles could have to deal with this offseason? All right, so they're, they're not a ton, but Josh Sweat, see, Mosher and I talked about this a year ago. If he blows it up again, they're going to probably have to redo his deal. Well, he didn't. Uh, he... Cosell said, Greg said on our show, he disappeared in the second half. He, uh, we had, we had, a, we had one team in particular say that Sweat did not look right. He was dragging that leg. You know, the cover paired in high school. Um, the tape didn't look as good. The numbers were obviously really not good. But Sweat's a really good all-round football player. Really terrific story. But here's the thing with 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 Josh Sweat now. You, you look at, and he's not old at all. He's still a pretty young guy. Believe it or not, he turns just 27 uh, in March, which is hard to believe, but he does. That's, that's it. I mean, he's been a great story. He's a younger guy. But his contract expires after the season. His cap number's really cheap at just over $9 million. So if you're Josh Sweat, what if he comes and wants a new deal? How do you handle the situation? Has he really earned it? Probably not. Probably not because he faded, but he's... He's a guy that they love. He's, the Eagles love these stories when nobody, a lot of teams didn't want him. We, I, I know some teams that had him off the board because that, that, that bad injury he had in high school. But he's been a great story of development. But, by the way, Sweat is only making $1.125 million this season in cash. And that's it. So w- when you really look at it, they have a decision to make here, Mike. This is, he's got an option bonus due of um, just under $15 million. But just in the ca- the real cash is just his salary is only one point one two five million. What does he do here? Does he ask for a new deal? This is something we'll be watching. Yeah, Sweat obviously, uh, as you mentioned last year, his deal probably didn't have the year that you were hoping for from him. So somebody to keep an eye on the the two corners, Bradbury and Maddox. You almost gotta be wondering, do they have to replace those two? But they're both under contract. Yeah, and Maddox. Look, if he comes back, he, he's got a salary cut. I mean, we, we all know that. The song telling you something you don't know. His salary cut number is ten point one million for a guy who's missed all this time. It's not acceptable. His cash is six point eight five million. Not guaranteed. The Eagles have all the leverage here. Now, I could certainly one or two things are going to happen here, just based on on reality. He either takes a pay cut, or they could just cut him out right if they don't want him back. We don't know that yet, but. He's on the final year of his deal. You, you can't justify the con- It's all about justification with contracts. You can't justify paying him the money. He also has um, some per game roster bonuses. The total cash due, if he hit all, if he played in every game, which you know he wouldn't if he came back based on his injury history, would be seven point five million is, is the total cash. That that's just not acceptable. Now what you can do is cut him in half. You, you could say Avante, hey, here's what we're willing to do. We'll we'll we'll, we'll jack up the per game roster bonuses a lot. We'll, 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 we'll allow you to make this money up if you're available for every game. And, and he could say no, and, he, and it obviously could cut him. Yeah. Joe Bannon told us that inside the birds, you always have to be willing to cut a player if he says no. You have to just assume he's going to say no and have a different plan. Now, don't forget they have Isaiah Rogers potentially, uh, who's, who's on reserve, so he's not on the roster. I can't imagine that he won't get cleared after what he's been through, but... He will compete for the the slot job if he gets cleared. If he gets reinstated, he's applied for reinstating, which he's going to do. If he gets cleared, he uh, if he gets put on the roster and and the commissioner reinstates him, he'll compete for the kick return job where he was really good for the Colts and the nickel job. So they'll have someone, but you can't rely on him. Obviously, you got to have other guys. 
because Roger didn't play last season, so you got to see where he's at. But th- this one, to me, is very easy. He's got to take a pay cut if, if, if they want him back and if he wants to do that. All right, there you go. Uh, and, of course, Kevin Byer, he's another one that we'll keep an eye on. There's a lot of issues on defense that we'll be tracking this offseason, leading you into free agency. Check out the Inside the Birds podcast. The guys will have a new one. Get you ready for the offseason with Adam and Jeff and right here on Football at 4 on the Sports Bash. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Adam Kaplan, everybody here for Football at Four. And it, of course, is brought to you by Bet365. Whatever the moment, whatever the sport, it's never ordinary at Bet365. I'm Mike Gill, and this is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. A lot to unpack from what he said. You know, the, the Hassan Reddick stuff, you know, he never said that he wants to be traded. I don't know that anybody thought that he wanted to be traded. I think it was more, if you think you can find a deal... Go for it, right? If you think you can get yourself a deal, we'll be willing because I don't see a scenario where the Eagles are going to say, yeah, we're just going to give you, rip this deal up and give you a brand new one. But, but are there teams out there that would do that? I don't know. I don't know. 609-403-0973-609-403. 0973. It's the Sports Bash live on 97.3 ESPN. Those are some of the things. You know, he just brought down a couple of things. Bradbury, Maddox, two contracts that are not expired. So those are both back. Are the Eagles going to really look at themselves in the mirror and say, let's just try to squeeze one more year out of these guys? Maybe with a new coordinator, we can get more. We can get somebody, you know, we can get more out of these two guys. The problem with Maddox isn't that he can't play. It's He's always hurt. You just can't keep him on the field. I like Maddox, and that's a lot coming from a WVU guy to a pit guy, right? But he just can't stay healthy. Biggest problem you have with him is he can't stay healthy. So as Adam said, like, if you want to come back, you're going to have to take a pay cut. Otherwise, you're probably going to be cut and see what ends up happening out there. The Bradbury thing to me is fascinating. Obviously, uh, he's got a contract that's going to be tough. I don't see a way that the Eagles can sell that he's coming back at the starting outside corner. But it's going to be tough to figure out a way to get out of that deal. You might just have to eat the money. And that is why a situation that's coming up here with Reddick comes into play. If I have to eat his $11 million, I can't give you a new deal when I've already got you signed to a deal that I like. That's the big problem there. So Reddick might say, I can go get more someplace else. The problem is, not only do you have to try to get more money, you also have to find a deal, and you have to have a deal that the two teams uh, consummate and the Eagles like and say, we're happy with that deal. So this is just the beginning of this. Keep that in mind. This is just the beginning. And by the way, Reddit coming out today, I don't think it helped or hurt the situation. He just saying, I didn't ask to be traded. Now, he didn't say, I asked for more money. And no one said that he asked for more money. But I would have to imagine that that is the genesis of this. Right? That's the genesis of where this started. He had to have had his agent ask for more money, and it was like, we're not ready to sign him to a new deal. Well, come on. You know, he played two years. He outperformed the contract. All right, well, if he can find a deal somewhere else, we give you permission to go look. I think that's maybe the genesis of this. 
I don't think that Hassan Reddick said, hey, I want to be traded. No, I don't think that's the way this should be pinned on him. So we'll keep that in mind as well. I also want to throw in there that, you know, when Jordan Schultz, when he, part of his report, he said, I want Eagle fans to know. So th- this felt like, Mike, too, this was in part an opportunity for, you know, Reddick as a catalyst with Jordan Schultz was saying, look, I'm trying to get my message out there. I'm not trying to get out of here. I don't hate Eagle fans. I love it here. It, it really felt to me, Mike, that there's a part of it where it's like, hey, the the report on Super Bowl Sunday maybe came off a certain way. Whereas Reddick's like, I'm trying to clear the air here. Yeah, pretty much. I, I think that's accurate. Is Reddick saying, I didn't ask to be traded. But he essentially, while not asking to be traded, was like, I want to be paid fairly. Which everyone does. Sure. I'm, you know. As as you brought up to Adam, you know, he's not asking for something that's like irrational here. Yeah, he said, I never asked to be, I never asked for a trade. However, I do understand it's a business. Right. Preparing for whatever's next. So in other words... I don't want to leave. He's trying to paint the picture that the Eagles are the bad guy. Right. Like, I don't want to leave. They don't want to pay me. The problem is, I think, this is what ends up happening when a season goes bad. You have a player who had 16 sacks one year. The next year he has 11. And that's the only number that fans really key in on. How many sacks did you have? How many times did you get to the quarterback? And Reddick's numbers went down there. But all of his other numbers, pressure, quarterback hits, for the most part, were about the same across the board. So the team didn't perform to the level you wanted. Why? Well, Reddick had less sacks. That had to be part of the reason why the team wasn't as good. And therefore, when the report comes out that he could go find a trade, teams are like, well, good good riddance to you because you weren't as good as you should have been. Well, the other side of the coin is also remember, Reddick started the year injured, and we have to believe that that, that injury he was dealing with coming out of, uh, I almost said spring training, out of training camp probably impacted the beginning of his season. Yeah, he didn't he get was... a sack to the fourth week of the season. Here's the problem. He didn't get a sack the last four weeks of the season either. And when that's the when team, the changed defensive coordinator. When the team was really struggling and needed somebody to kind of be the guy and make it stop, he wasn't a part of making it stop. People just associate him with part of why the team continued to slip. And that's why I don't see a outpour of, wow, we can't let this guy go, when realistically they probably should be saying, wow, we, we're going to let a guy who double-digit sacks both the areas here. But I do see the the tough spot that the Eagles are in, mm-hmm. in that we have this pass rusher, we have him at a good value, we don't want to have to pay him more money because if we do, there's a potential that he slips. And we don't want to get caught again giving a guy a contract who might take a step backwards. And that is business-wise. And that's what Reddick said in the tweet is it's a business and I'm prepared for what's next. And I think the Eagles are saying it's a business. And we paid you what we paid you because we think that that's fair. You want more and you're well within your right. If you think you can go get more, go for it. 
Real quick, do you think the toothpaste can get put back into the tube in this situation? Is there a scenario where Reddick is in Philadelphia? Yeah, I mean, the way it happens is Reddick goes out and gets basically egg on his face. I can go get more. Fine. You're going to let me go find a job? I'll go find one. And then sees that the money's not there for him. And then he has to come. I don't want to say crawling back with his tail between his legs. But if the Eagles say go out and find a trade and a team says we'll trade for you, but we don't want to pay you any more money. And then another team says it, and then another team says it. What's his recourse? He's really setting himself up to fail, or he's betting on himself to succeed big time here. There is no seemingly in between because right. if he fails, he goes back to the Eagles for the same price. Yep. And if not, he gets his way. You bet on yourself, you win. Four twenty three Sports Pass Live ninety seven three ESPN Sound of the Day. Kevin Durso in about an hour from now. All that coming up. Here today on the Sports Pass Live on 97.3 ESPN. It's the Sports Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mike Gill. And I am the voice of the voiceless. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. 430 Sports Pass, 97.3 ESPN, the free mobile app. Mike Gill with you till 6 o'clock tonight. Kevin Durso at 530. Fly guys. Four in a row. They won again last night, man. Are we looking at a playoff team that could be sellers at the deadline? That's in one hour from now with our Flyers insider, Kevin Durso. And don't forget, you can hear the stadium series game at MetLife Stadium against the Devils exclusively on 97.3 ESPN. We'll have it for you starting at 8 o'clock and all the festivities for the stadium series outdoor game. And you can listen to it right here. On 97.3 ESPN. All right. Uh, it's time for today's sound of the day. It's brought to you by Broadleys Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Broadleys, your trusted source for heating and plumbing service and installation for generations. Call them at 609-390-3907 or visit them online at broadleys.net. All right. Josh Henning is my producer, and he has today's sound of the day. Mike, I want to start on the defensive side of the ball, kind of stick with that theme here for Sound of the Day. I want to start with what Greeny said this morning on 97.3 ESPN. I want to get your reaction to it because he was talking about Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo. For those who remember, Spagnuolo used to be on the Eagles coaching staff before he started coaching for the Giants and Chiefs and winning all those Super Bowl rings. He is now the most Super Bowl rings of any coordinator in NFL history with four right now. And Greeny said this on Greeny on 97.3 ESPN. Steve Spagnuolo challenges Mahomes as the game's MVP, most valuable person. He was brilliant. That game looked to me at the beginning like San Francisco is going to beat them so easily. I'm watching it. The Niners are just better than them. They're dominant on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And that defense just found ways. They're holding them to field goals. And then they just figured it out. Spagnuolo, they don't put assistant coaches in the Hall of Fame. But I tell you what, he's working his way into that kind of rarefied air. 
He had a great game. They had a great game plan. I mean, they essentially took out Debo Samuel from the game. Kittle didn't hurt them much. Ayuk, so much so that Ayuk's brother and friends and girlfriends and <laughs> whoever are now basically saying that he wants out of there. Yeah, I mean, C. Spagnola had a great great game plan for the game he's had a great run I mean he began in Philadelphia people forget he was a head coach in this league with the Giants he's been at the Rams I mean with the Rams uh, he was with the Giants as interim yeah. as an interim but he got that head coaching job with the Rams didn't go so well some guys are just meant to be coordinators and I think he's that guy he's that guy um, and look things have to be going right in the league the league has to kind of have that turn. He was a coordinator in this league, and people probably don't remember him having great defenses uh, with the Giants from 2015 to 2017 or when he was at New Orleans. You know, he's been around for a couple places. It's not always all good, and it doesn't mean that you're not a good coach. I think that's the whole thing here is so many times you just assume, well, this guy's really good, so therefore we're always going to be good. You have to have good players too, but he has a philosophy that is very Jim Johnson, aggressive, blitz-heavy, and, you know, he did not really – one of the things is, if you remember, when he was in New Orleans, he didn't really use that approach down there. So, yeah, I think Spags is in a great spot at a great time, but keep in mind, they got really good players on that side of the ball. When they got beat in that Super Bowl a couple of years ago, they had a terrible offensive line. They went and fixed the offensive line. Last year against the Eagles, their defense, Spagnola was the, the architect of that defense that was not very good in that game. No one was saying, hey, Steve Spagnola should be in the Hall of Fame after the game against Philadelphia last year. So keep that in mind when you criticize and or like certain guys like Hey, John Gannon had a bad Super Bowl last year against Kansas City. Steve Spagnola had a bad Super Bowl last year against Philadelphia. He had a good one this year. So um, it's tough to kind of quantify great coordinators because many of them get hired to be head coaches. Right. And then once you get into the head coaching realm, a lot of them don't want to go back to being coordinators. Correct. He was big enough to say, I had my head coaching taste and I'll go back to being a coordinator because he jumped right back in when he got let go by the Rams. He went right to New Orleans. So would you, I know you're a tough creator for the Hall of Fame, Mike, but do you think that Spagnola could be a legitimate candidate for it? I mean, the four Super Bowls as an assistant, if somebody was to say, hey, you excelled your defenses excelled i think that just opens the floodgates for so many others so i would probably be against it by the way his head coaching record 11 and 41 yeah not good not good <laughs> uh, i'm sure maybe others haven't won four super bowls but others have had probably multiple like charlie weiss has three for example there you go do you want charlie weiss in the hall of fame i don't okay so I think that's the answer to the question. Okay. Hey, and I think the I think the expository that I just gave sums it up. He had one Super Bowl against the Eagles where he was t where the defense was not good, and then he had a good one last year. It, it, it you know it doesn't mean that he's been bad. Great. I think uh, he's done a ex excellent job to get four, but he's also a part of a team that has Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and then don't forget you know the the first one he won with that Giants team that was what two thousand seven. So you know you're. You're, you can give the guy credit for sustaining a career, but I don't know if that makes him legitimately a Hall of Famer. Speaking of guys with a long career, Mike, another Mike 
is going to Dallas. Mike Zimmer is now going to be the defensive coordinator. The news broke yesterday. And Adam Schefter, I wanted to play this for you, Mike, because he, you know, this is a shortened summary of the fiasco because last Thursday, multiple people were reporting Zimmer was going to be the defensive coordinator. And then Rex Ryan, not Rob Ryan, Rex Ryan. I know you saw Rob Ryan at uh, Radio Row, Mike. I did. Rex Ryan was on Sunday NFL Countdown saying, hold on a minute. They're calling me. They're talking to me. Well, Schefter gave this summary of what happened with the Cowboys DC situation. The Cowboys finally have reached agreement with Mike Zimmer to become their defensive coordinator. Now, the interesting part about this was they loved Rex Ryan in their interview with them last week. And when we threw it back to the main set, Rex said, hold on, that deal with Mike Zimmer is not done. And the reason he knew it wasn't done was right before that segment started, the Cowboys reached out to him to see if he was interested in becoming the defensive coordinator. We're talking numbers, but Rex obviously wasn't interested in what they were talking about, the numbers at which they were talking about, at which point the Dallas Cowboys turned back their attention to Mike Zimmer to reach agreement. Now, maybe the Cowboys were leveraging Rex some against Mike Zimmer or Mike Zimmer against Rex. We don't exactly know. We just know that they did have interest in Rex before they turn around and get the deal done with Mike Zimmer. So Zimmer has ties to the Cowboys. Yes, he was their D.C. in the early 2000s. That's right. Uh, even before that, I think he was the defensive coordinator back in, or he was with the team in the 90s. He was with the team right. in the 90s. He was the coordinator. Right. later the, became the coordinator. Right, but he was with the team as far back as 1994. So he has a long, deep-rooted uh, history with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he has not been a coordinator, though, since 2013. You're going back to before his time as the head coach with Minnesota. He was the defensive coordinator with the Cincinnati Bengals. So it has been a while since he has been a coordinator. Uh, this one to me is interesting. How is this all going to play out? You don't remember, um, you know, he had some good teams in Minnesota. I wouldn't say, I think they had, I'm trying to remember those Minnesota teams were, you know, they had a lot of the Kirk Cousins years there. Well, he was also there before Kirk Cousins because remember when they played the Eagles in the NFC Championship game, that was Case Keenum. Yeah, I said they had a lot of the Kirk Cousins years, not had- all Kirk Cousins years, but I'm trying to remember, like, the one year, um, their defense, like, I don't remember them having a standout defense, really, that really jumps off the page with me in Minnesota. I'm trying to remember. Well, they had Jared Allen for a couple of years there, so that helps. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I don't remember them having a great, like, you could have a good player on your team, but that doesn't necessarily mean you had this, like, stand. I don't remember the Vikings in his time. I could be wrong. Like, being known for the defense more so than, you know, what they had offensively. They they had all those receivers down there. They always seemingly have good skill position players, but a terrible offensive line. So, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see how this works out. He does have the Cowboys ties there, and this seems more Fine. of a hire of nostalgia for the Dallas Cowboys in it than it does, hey, we found some new innovative guy. He's 67 years old, so we'll see. Five of his eight years in Minnesota, he had a top five, sorry, top ten defense in points allowed per game. So he does have that going for him. He was uh, top five in yards, total yards allowed three years. So he did have a few years where the defense was performing at a high level. But as you said, you know, when you have good players, that helps with some of that. Yeah, and in Dallas, he will. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. He runs like a 4-3 type of scheme. What's he going to do 
with um, you know Micah Parsons, and, and obviously you're going to get uh, Diggs back. So we'll, we'll see. Um, so he does have good talent on that uh, defensive side of the ball. Marcus Spears, who played for Mike Zimmer, had this to say on NFL Live about the Cowboys hiring back their former defensive coordinator. About 20 years later, he is back again. Mike Zimmer was the defensive coordinator when I came to Dallas. A really good coach, a really good defensive mind. He's a 4-3 four, four, is his background. He really left Dallas because we went to a 3-4, and that really wasn't his cup of tea. He had some successful defenses in Minnesota as well. But, y'all, like, I'm not – I'm trying to find the positive because I love Mike Zimmer, the man. This doesn't do anything for me, though, when it comes to the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, not a ringing endorsement there for somebody who played for him. Now, when that all happened, so Zimmer was there. They brought Parcells in. Parcells kind of changed the defense from a 4-3 to a 3-4, and then that was kind of Zimmer's out. He then, if you remember, went to Atlanta when Bobby Petrino was the head coach there. He became the Falcons coordinator for a year. Petrino obviously um, that was he a fiasco. Left and went back to college, or had something happened. Uh, yeah, he went back to college, right? Yeah, he, he basically left in the middle of the night. Oh, I know that he <laughs> got in trouble somewhere. Well, he got in trouble at Arkansas. He left Atlanta for the Arkansas job because it wasn't going very well. And then at Arkansas, he had the motorcycle incident. Right, he's had a couple of weird things happening. Louisville, he like he got caught like with the secretary or but something. That was Arkansas, or was that Arkansas? Yeah. Right? Well, he was at Louisville, then he went to the pros, and he went back to the. Then went to Arkansas. Bizarre. Then he got in trouble with the secretary in the motorcycle incident. Yeah. So he was only in Atlanta for half the season, and then that's when Zimmer went to Cincinnati. He had a good run there. Right. And Cincinnati is the reason why he got the head coaching job in the first place, because you know the success he did have in his, uh, Cincinnati. Of course, now some people at the time wondered. Well, how much that was Marvin Lewis. You know, Marvin Lewis was the D.C. when the Ravens won their first Super Bowl. But then Zimmer went to Minnesota and did have some some successful years. But like you said, Marcus Spears didn't give some great endorsement here. So good news for Eagle fans then, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not all that like I thought that the defense, the Dallas defense has been very good the last couple of years. I think that... um, why am I forgetting the court? He just went to Washington. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn did a really good job. He was very passionate um, and a good fit for that defense. This is going to be a tough spot for Zimmer to kind of jump into and kind of keep that afloat. But they do have plenty of talent. One more before we get out of here, Mike. I want to play for you. So Justin Fields' future has been a huge conversation. Well, Adam Schefter was on the Pat McAfee show today, and he was asked about, what about Justin Fields to the Steelers? We know that Pittsburgh's going to go out and get some type of quarterback, whether that's Ryan Tannehill, whether that's Russell Wilson, whether that's Justin Fields. Justin Fields, I know Mike Tomlin's a big fan of Justin Fields. We'll keep that in mind during the offseason of the coming weeks. There'll be a decision that that organization has to make in terms of the quarterback that they want to bring in. Uh, but they're not just going to leave it as Kenny Pickett, his starting job. Mike Tomlin made that very clear. Yeah, as he should. Um, I was never a Pickett fan, so I'm okay with them looking to replace him. They already moved on from Trubisky. Yep. Um, so the question will be, and that will be one of the big storylines of the offseason, is Chicago looking to trade the number one pick? 
There has been some murmurs that they'll keep both fields and draft a quarterback and then kind of go from there. I don't know. I mean, to me, if I'm Chicago, my ultimate offseason at draft is the combination of moving from one to two, flipping with Washington, and then trying to flip again, getting a boatload of picks or stuff for that number one pick to go to two, and then taking calls for two to see if I can get even more and taking my shot with Fields. The problem with that is you then have to pay Fields, and that hinders some of the contractual situations. Whereas if you trade Fields, you then reset the money, but you don't have the assets. So what do you think of the idea that Mike Tomlin has just said he loves Justin Fields? So this situation where... The man in the Steelers, Andy Wydell, who used to be in Philadelphia, by the way, another former Eagle guy, another organization. Does Andy Wydell go get the guy that his coach wants? What do they want? What do they have to give? That's the question. I think if you're asking for way too much for Fields, I'll take them off your hands if you're giving to me at a discount rack. Otherwise, I'm not overpaying because I have to pay him too. Therein lies the problem for both sides. If you're Pittsburgh, you're not getting top value because of the fact that someone else is going to have to pay him and they don't want to. And I think Pittsburgh is smart enough to not make a deal like that. I think they will. And there's, as he just rattled off, Russell Wilson, Tannehill. It's a lot of uh, cousins. There's a lot of potential. This is going to be the offseason of quarterbacks again. Yes. Veteran quarterbacks on the move. Uh, coming up, our Flyers insider Kevin Durso at 5.30 tonight. The Flyers right now are a solid playoff team. But could they be sellers at the deadline? That's coming up at 5.30 tonight on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. The Phillies Clubhouse at Bay Care Ballpark will be open tomorrow morning at 7.30. Rob Thompson will be available in the media interview room following the workout. Baseball is back, baby. See that? Didn't take long. Phils are back tomorrow. They'll have a workout from 8 o'clock in the morning. That's when it will all begin for the Phils. Will they have any new faces? So far, nothing. Buckus. I mean, literally, if the season started tomorrow, they would not have one single new element on this team. Is that acceptable? I don't think so. Ooh. Do you think so? I mean, I, no. I feel like they should They should be. This team needs to do something. I mean, look, there's still free agents out there. There's still some big names. Jordan Montgomery, uh, Snell. Bellinger. I mean, there's still Whit Merrifield's a guy that I think would help this team a lot. I would like a Whit Merrifield, sure. They 
can be one of those teams that just waits it out and waits until look is last year at this point you were thinking the playoff teams from the year before were going to be the same like you saw no change and we were completely wrong about that right we looked at the playoffs from one year to the next and said i don't see which of these playoff teams isn't going to make it well the padres didn't make it they look like a team that really upgraded and changed the dynamics of their team, right? You had the Mets, who had made it the year before, and there was no reason to think that they weren't going to make it back. I mean, eh, I mean, they got Verlander and uh, Scherzer, and you felt like, okay, this is a team that's probably going to get back there. So when you looked at the landscape last year, you felt like there wasn't room for any new teams to make the playoffs. Well, that didn't end up being accurate at all. I mean, San Diego and New York were two of the most disappointing teams in baseball. Uh, Arizona kind of came out of nowhere and not only made the playoffs, but went all the way to the World Series. Miami made the playoffs. So to sit here and say that the Phillies are a shoe-in to make the playoffs because they won 90 games and they're bringing the same team back, I don't think that's fair. But I also would ask this question. Last year, the Mets made the playoffs. The Cardinals made the or two years ago. The Mets made the playoffs. The Cardinals made the playoffs. San Diego made the playoffs. And the Giants made the playoffs. Well, they didn't make it the next year. That's four. Are four new teams going to enter the playoffs this year? It all starts tomorrow. And we'll be talking about it here on the Sports Pass Live on 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. This hour brought to you by Broadley's Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Broadley's your trusted source for heating and plumbing service and installation for generations. Call them at 609-390-3907 or visit online, broadleys.net. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live. From the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Just after five, driving you home. On a Tuesday, coming up in a half an hour, our Flyers insider Kevin Durso is going to join us to talk a little orange and black. Four in a row. Can't debate it. Right now, they're a playoff team. It's funny because... It seemed like they had that little lull at the end, right before the All-Star break. And people were kind of like, okay, here they go. See their true colors. But nope, four in a row right out of the gates here. And uh, they've got themselves firmly in a playoff spot. Now, that could change. There's still about 30 games left to go. We'll see what happens. We'll talk to Kevin in about 28 minutes from now. Here on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. We told you the Phillies report tomorrow to um, spring training. Sixers coming off a big win last night. I say big win. Look, Cleveland's two seed right now. I think they won. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. I think they won 17 out of the last 18. I think they were 17 and one in their last 18 games entering the game last night. I'm pulling it up. I remember they had won nine in a row because that's what they said on Sports Center last night. So let me double check the 17 out of 18 right now. Yeah, I mean, whatever it's been, Cleveland has moved itself up into. I guess you got to say contender status. I don't know that many people look at Cleveland as a legit, legit contender, but they have made their way up the standings. They're now the two seed. And ironically enough here, as I was uh, looking at this last night, the Bucks are 
you know, they've been fading since the hot Doc Rivers. Now they've won two in a row, but they lost four, uh, uh, six out of ten. And Cleveland passed them. So they're a game ahead of Milwaukee. The battle is going to be interesting. So Philly wins last night over Cleveland. And they're still like four and a half games behind Cleveland for the number two seed. I mean, so they got a lot of ground. Philly's in a really tough spot right now without Joel Embiid. Now, earlier today, Paul Hudrick told us that he was pretty confident that Joel Embiid would be back. Now, he didn't give a time frame, but he said even if it's like eight weeks from now, that that would still get him an opportunity to come back and play. And if you look at it, he's already been out, what, one week, Joel Embiid? So you think about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight weeks would get him back. Let's say he could possibly, possibly come back when the Sixers play the Pistons on April the 9th. That would be about eight weeks from now. So you got April the 9th against the Pistons. And then really, you got one, two, three, three games. That's it before the playoffs begin. So I guess the question becomes, if you're the Sixers, do you just get Joel and get him three, four, five games? Or do you just say, we're going to hold it off until you get to the playoffs? And I guess it depends on, like, right now, like, if you look at the NBA Eastern Conference standings, the play-in teams, right now, Philly's three games out of the play-in. And why is that important? I'll tell you why. They got the Heat tomorrow, All-Star break, Knicks on Thursday of next week, Cavaliers again, Bucks, Celtics. Not easy. You could be looking at a scenario that, okay, let's just, worst case scenario, you lose all four of those games. Heat, Knicks, Cavs, Bucks, that's five, uh, Celtics. You lose five straight, and that's conceivable with that, with that schedule, right? You sure. lose five in a row, you're in the playing round all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And now, you start to say, all right, now we're in the play-in. And in the play-in right now is Indiana, Miami, Chicago, and Atlanta. You would get stuck playing one of those teams in a first, uh, you know, it's the play-in is like uh, you have to win, what is it, the first team to win two? Well, the way it works is that the, this, if the seven beats the eight, they stay the seven. So whoever wins that game becomes the seven seed. And then whoever wins between eight, uh, ten and nine plays the loser of seven versus eight for the eight seed. Right. It's not a best out of three. It's so like seven plays ten. No, no, no. So seven plays eight. It's a one game. Mm-hmm. So the winner of seven versus eight is in the seven seed. Right. Okay. So seven plays eight. The winner of that is the automatic seven. Then the loser, loser of plays that plays the, the winner, winner of the nine, of ten, nine ten. And they become the eight seed. Correct. Okay. So now you're in that kind of scenario where you might have to go through that gaga. So right now, Boston is the one and would play somebody in the play-in. Right. Cleveland is the two and they would play the other play-in. Correct. The other matchups is Milwaukee, Orlando. 3-6, and 4-5 is Philadelphia and, and New York. New York just... is the 4, Philadelphia is the 5. They are separated right now by a half a game. Can I got to be honest. Can you believe you just said Orlando is the 6 seed? Orlando is the 6 seed, yep. Uh, it's, you know, by the way, 
Um, they're uh, retiring Shaq's jersey number tonight, 32. It's the first ever Orlando Magic player to have their number retired. Feels like long overdue. Well, I mean, Shaq, he's been out of Orlando for Since quite some 90s. time. But he is going to be the only player to have his number retired. And I was thinking the other day, like, if you were doing Shaq, the next guy would have to be Penny. Right. And then I guess Dwight Howard? Yeah. So would Dwight Howard get his jersey number? Like, at some point, Orlando, you have to start creating some history for your team. They're starting tonight. So what's the next banner to go up? Would probably be Penny and then and then um, Dwight Howard. Yeah, those are the big three at this point. Those, I would think so, yeah. I mean, I'm not even fully sure who the fourth guy would be because – I mean, there has been some players, but like you, do you really risk putting Nick Anderson's number up there after what happened? No, I don't think there's another guy who who goes up there. Um, like Aaron Gordon, you, Trace McGrady, they were there too short of a time. Yeah, unless you go back to someone on like the original, like a Reggie Theus, like someone that was on like the original Dennis Scott team that you're like, okay, you were a part of our history in terms of you were there when we launched the team. That would be it. Those three are the only guys. But my buddy's in Orlando right now. He flew into Orlando today. I said, you got to go to the game tonight. They're retiring Shaq's jersey. Right. But, yes, they are the sixth seed right now. Philadelphia's the five. So what's interesting about that is so they're a half game behind the Knicks right now. They're, they're tied in the loss column. They're one game behind in the win column. So the Knicks have played one extra game. Right now, if it's a 4-5 Philadelphia New York, let's say Embiid's back. You got the conversation we had with Paul earlier I thought was very interesting. So I asked Paul, what would his starting lineup be? Okay, Joel's back. What's your starting lineup? Because one thing I took away from the game last night was how deep the Sixers are going to be if Joel Embiid returns. So if you get Joel Embiid back, it would be a very, very, very deep team. In fact... So deep that Paul Hudrick said he thinks that um, they would be the deepest team of any of the teams in the East contenders. So his starting lineup when Joel returns would be Maxi, Buddy Heald, Nick Batum, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. There's your five. Off the bench, you would have Kyle Lowry. DeAnthony Melton, Kelly Oubre, and that's not even factoring in guys like Robert Covington, um, any of these other guys you want to throw into the mix. Uh, K.J. Wright, uh, Ricky Council, who's been playing a lot here recently. Um, you're looking at – is there anybody I'm forgetting? I was going to say, dude, is there a possibility that maybe get another guy from the buyout market before the end of the well, month? Well, I'm just talking about as constructed. Oh, as constructed. So gotcha. you're starting five, his starting five. He said right. he would go with Maxi, Heald, Batum, Harris, and Joel. So that's five. If the team went eight deep, here's the problem. You can't go eight deep unless no. you bounce Lowry, Melton, or Ubre from the rotation. Right, so you got to go like nine or ten. So you would be nine or possibly ten. Because Paul Reed One of the guys the has to be Paul Reed, so right. he's in the rotation. So now the guy that Hudrick said he thinks could be in danger of getting knocked out of the rotation would be Ubre. 
I just don't see that happening, though. I was shocked when he said it, but his explanation was, hey, right now with what they've added, the depth that they have, that Ubre is a little out of control. He's not shooting nearly as well from three. He's only at 32% on the season now. True. So his three-point shot has become much more erratic. It's more close to his career number than it was at the beginning of the year when he was on fire. So you have Maxi logging the point guard minutes. And then Lowry would be his backup. Lowry would be the backup. And he then said Melton. Buddy Heald would probably, like if you want to start Heald or Melton or vice bench. versa, those two guys will kind of handle that two-guard spot. Right. Then you have Batum and Harris. So the backup there would probably be Kelly Oubre. So those three would probably rotate. Kind of like the the four the, the forward minutes, and I guess if Ubre's having a, a you know rough shooting night, then Rocco gets rotated in there too. We got Robert Covington. I don't know what Ricky Council's future. Kenyon Martin, who started last night, I thought played pretty well. By the way, he did. So you got that group, and then of course you have the Embiid, Paul Reed, Mo Bamba. But you talk about the depth that this team all of a sudden has pulled out. You're talking about a team. It's pretty deep now. Again. They've got to try to stay afloat in the race. You do not want to fall into that play-in situation and then have to play Boston or Cleveland in the first round. Right. Because, well, okay, right now Cleveland's two. But let's just say you don't want to play Boston in the first round. You don't want to play Milwaukee or Cleveland in the first round. And quite frankly, you don't want to get stuck playing New York either. But unless you pedal your way up the standings, <laughs> that's your options. So You want to play Milwaukee in the second round, yeah, this, remember. The, the, the Sixers right now... <laughs> Feel like the, the, the awkward couple that is in the harbor in Baltimore pedaling one of those dragon boats awkwardly and the, they're just pedaling as hard as they can. And it's like, Oh my God, where are we actually going here? And you're like, you're, you're pedaling a dragon boat, dude. Where do you think you're going? <laughs> the Sixers have that feel right now. Like they can pedal as hard as they can, but it doesn't look like they're going. There's anywhere. a destination to end up. You never, you ever, See anybody pedal one of those dragon boats? Oh, I have the visual on my mind right now. <laughs> They're never going anywhere. They're just you're just in like a a roped off bay area. Right. Like it's just like you're in the, the the harbor. It's not like you're pedaling from like one side to go the to other. the other side to get like lunch no. or something. You're just kind of pedaling around aimlessly right. in the water. That feels like the Sixers right now. They're just kind of in the five. Great spot. description, by the way. <laughs> They're just kind of in the five spot. They're pedaling around. They're not really going anywhere, though. I mean, right now, to, to paint the picture, they got that series of games coming up that I just ripped off for you. Heat, Knicks, Cavs, Bucks, Celtics. Good luck with that. <laughs> not, gonna, not, not the ideal scenario. No, but you're, you are two and a half games behind Milwaukee. Right. You are four and a half games behind Cleveland. If you start losing a chunk of games, three out of four, four out of five. Right. You ain't catching them. No. So they're, the opportunity to have a home first round is shrinking. Mm-hmm. The opportunity to get a favorable first round matchup is essentially diminished. And now avoiding the play-in becomes more difficult. Because I got a feeling, all right, they're three games up on Indiana right now. They're three up on Indiana. They're four up on Miami. Let's just say they lose to Miami tomorrow night. No, I don't know that that's going to happen. Jimmy Butler's out, right? I think he's taking a leave of absence. Yeah, he's a family death in the family. So, 
So no Butler probably tomorrow night. But Although they almost won on Sunday without him. That was a good crazy. game. I watched that game. Um, we had a game here on 97.3 ESPN. It was a good game between the Heat and, and the Celtics. Let's say Miami beat you tomorrow night. Well, now the gap there is down to three games. So now you're three games up on Indiana and Miami, and you still got a ways to go without Joel Embiid. It is not a enviable situation for Philadelphia right now as they get ready to finish out this month. Like, just to give you some insight, I, I told you the schedule. How about that, by the way? That's the schedule what they have coming up. It's a gauntlet. They got this gauntlet, but that takes you to the end of February. February's almost over. I mean, literally, February, I, I mean, you blinked. It, it was like the Super Bowl was here. Now it's over. Um, this is what they have the rest of the month of February. You've got Miami tomorrow, Valentine's Day, everybody, by the way. Make sure you remember that, gentlemen, Valentine's Day. Then you have the All-Star break. Here's what you got left in February. Knicks, Cleveland, Bucks, Boston. That's it. You got five games left in the month of February. You're going into March. After the March, uh, after February and you get into March, you start off Charlotte, Dallas, Brooklyn, Memphis, New Orleans, then back-to-back with the Knicks. So you've got a little bit of breathing room there. But I'll tell you what, you're running out of real estate already. The month of February is essentially done because I don't feel so good about the five games you got to play to finish this month up. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Text board is open. I get it. Look, people out there, you're looking at the Sixers and you're saying, I, I just can't get excited. And I'm not blaming you. I'm not telling you you should. I'm not telling you what's wrong with you. I will say this. If you watched the game last night, they beat a good team. The only thing that you can say is with the team that played last night plus what they still have coming. Uh, Harris did not play last night. Lowry, he should be starting. I think they can sign him. 10 minutes ago, uh, 17 minutes ago. He couldn't get signed until 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock, yeah. So I'm imagining if you go to Twitter right now, it'll probably be, hey, the Sixers have made it official. Um, But that being said, you're in a situation where this team is pretty darn deep. I got to be honest with you. Watching that game last night, that was my takeaway, is the game, uh, the team is deep. I don't care. Unless they haven't beat. Now, earlier today on the Sports Bash, Paul Hudrick said he was pretty confident, right? That he was pretty confident that Joel Embiid would return. All right. That sounds a lot better than what I thought he was going to say. My feeling on this whole Embiid thing has kind of been, all right, you're kicking the can down the road. We'll update you in four weeks. Well, you're only kicking the can four weeks just to tell me that it's going to take four more weeks. And that could be the case, right? That could be the case, that it is four more weeks, and then we'll get back to you in four more weeks. But that would be the timeline that Paul said, worst-case scenario, eight weeks from now. Now, he seemingly said six weeks. Can they get him back in six weeks? And if that's the case... Can they get Joel back in six weeks? Why is that so much like 
Six to eight weeks. How long? Joel's last game was when? You, can you look that up for me? Yep. When was the last time? It was that game... And it was the seventh. It was the it was a Warriors game in Golden State. No, it wasn't the seventh. What was that? The thirtieth? I think it was the thirtieth. January thirtieth. It was a Tuesday night. So when did he get the surgery? That's what we need to figure out. When did he get the actual surgery? It was uh the Tuesday of Super Bowl week. It was that morning. So the thirteenth no, um last Tuesday. The so that sixth. was six. So you're saying that's when he got it. So let's say one, two, three. He got the surgery a week after he sustained the injury. The end of February would be three weeks. Right. So it's four weeks he gets assessed. Four. So you would say around the fifth is when they reassess. Correct. That's four weeks. Five, six. The start of March Madness, the play-in games, is the 19th, which is when I fly to Philly, uh, Clearwater. That would be six weeks. If they can get him back on the 19th or, or right around there, you would be looking at a chunk of games. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. You would be looking at about fourteen games left for him to play. And I think fourteen is a solid number that he can get his legs back under him, get his cardio back, get himself somewhat implemented. That to me is your best case scenario. If on Wednesday, March twentieth, he is in Phoenix. That's the problem. I, I This happens every year because I'm in spring training when this always happens. They're out west. Always. They're at Phoenix. They're at the Lakers. They're at the Clippers. They're at Sacramento. Then they come home and play one game against the Clippers, and then they're at Cleveland and at Toronto. I mean, then they come home and play one game against Oklahoma City, and then they're at Miami and then at Memphis and at San Antonio. That's a brutal, brutal way to end with all those road games. And you're trying to get Joel's legs under him. He's traveling. It's not conducive, I'll tell you that much. No, having all those row games is not going to help his return. You you almost might be inclined to say he doesn't return in Phoenix just because they might push it back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's not a great spot. As I just said, there's a bunch of – you're traveling, you're traveling, you're traveling, you're traveling, you're home for a game, you're traveling, you're home. You're, I mean, there's not a great spot. I mean, unless for some reason he's ready before that, they do have – like March 16th, they have a home game against Charlotte. Then the 18th, they play home against Miami. If you, you know, but then you're on the road for four. Right. I mean, so there is not a great place to There's slip him in. There's not an ideal spot for him to land. Nope. There's not a great place to slip him in here. So that's what you're looking at. This is going to be an interesting puzzle to put together for this team. But I will say last night's game against a good team made me feel they have the depth around him. They gotta get him back. Otherwise, the season is inconsequential. We all know that. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash. Hey, let me tell you guys about my friend Rocco over at Key Acura of Atlantic City. It's right up the road from our studios here on Silton Road. Now through February 29th, you can get a 2024 Acura Integra lease for just $369 a month or a 2024 MDX lease for $489 a month. Both great affordable prices. And beginning March 2nd, the service department will be open on Saturdays again. So stop in and see Rocco at Key Acura of Atlantic City, Tilton Road in EHC, the small but friendly dealer online at keyacuraofatlanticcity.com. New year, new car. Why not?
Why not? Make Start it the year fresh. Start the year with something. Well, it's February 13th, but Valentine's Day tomorrow. Why not go over there and get a big red hey, bow and put it on that car for that loved one in your life? Might be a better idea than jewelry. I would think so. Maybe not. I think some ladies really enjoy jewelry. But did you know that New Jersey spends more money than anybody else in engagement rings? That's not surprising. Not surprising. So instead of spending on the engagement ring, go get her a car. Get her an Acura. Do it. Tell him I say All right, when we come back, Kevin Durso's here, our Flyers insider from 973ESPN.com. Flyers are in the playoffs right now. They are firmly the three spot in the Metropolitan Division. But are they looking to sell? That's next. This is the Sports Bash on 973ESPN.com. We have the... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're sitting in traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Flyers uh, off tonight. They are back in action on Thursday against the Toronto Maple Leafs after a 5-3 win over Arizona last night. They're firmly in a playoff spot right now. I mean, you look at the standings, you might be pretty surprised to see the Flyers 64 points, the Devils 56 points. They're eight spots ahead of New Jersey in the Metro Division. But are the Flyers a team that views themselves as a playoff team, a Stanley Cup contender, or a team that has its eyes on the future? Our Flyers insider Kevin Durso going to join us in just a couple of moments here to kind of break it all down for us. Let us know what he thinks the modus operandi will be for Danny Briere and the Flyers as the trade deadline over a month from now or about a month from now. Want to tell you first about my friends at the Nizam's Indian Restaurant over there by the Old Shore Mall in front of Boscov's. If you are looking for a new restaurant, something different to try out, go check out my friends over at the Nizam's Indian Restaurant. Vote at the number two restaurant in all of New Jersey. And obviously, uh, a great spot for a big party. If you're looking for somebody uh, or something big for a big party at 8, 9, 10, 12, they can, it's a huge spot. Awesome location. Check them out and uh, tell Mike Gill from the Sports Bash sent you. All right, Kevin Durso's here. Flyers four in a row. I think a lot of people looked at what was going on right before the All-Star break there, Kevin, and said, all right, here we go. But they've come out of the gates winning four in a row and now eight points ahead of the Jersey Devils for that final spot in the Metro. So one month to the deadline, are the Flyers more apt to be buyers or sellers with their current standing? That's the million-dollar question. And I don't envy Danny Briere for having to answer it over the course of the next month because you're in an interesting position. You're in a spot nobody thought you would be in. You're comfortably in the playoff race, and yet you're also in a public rebuild. So you kind of got to kind of got to pick your spots here with this and and make a decision on where you're going to go. I think they'll be calculated sellers. I don't think they're going to just 
sabotage this thing and just say, let's sell it all off, blow it all up and just take ourselves out of the race. But I do think they are going to not look to add and look at opportunities where if certain players give them exactly what they want in return, they'll entertain it. So I think you can start looking in the direction of guys that we've heard about for a little while, guys like Sean Walker, possibly Scott Lawton, guys of that nature, where if you get back the ultimate return that you want to get, which I think right now the the objective is, is their first round picks available. Both guys have it, have a case to at least have the market be set that way for them. And if they are, then you have some interesting decisions to make about how you want to proceed forward. If you If the greater importance is go, you know, stay in the playoff race, keep guys around that have been valuable to your team all season, like Walker and Lawton have been in in different ways. Uh, Or do you get something that helps you for the future, like a first round pick? That's the really big question that Danny Breer is going to have to answer over the course of the next month. If they said, look, we're a playoff team, we're there, we've got to do something. What is something? I don't think there's anything that they would look to do that would necessarily add to the roster, honestly. I don't think, I think that th- if they wanted to do something that really stated they're a playoff team, I think they would let it ride and just say, the room's been good all year. We like the team. We like the players we have. And they've proven for 54 games now that they can be comfortably in the race. Let's let them finish the job. And that would be what they, that would be saying something from the playoff side. I don't think there's anything they would look to bring in. I think, I think you already saw it, to be honest. I think what you saw was when they had to handle the cutter Gauthier situation and there was an active roster player that was available like Jamie Drysdale. I think that was the move that bolstered the lineup. So you felt like you were getting something back that was of value I don't think there's anything at the deadline that would do that. So at this at this spot, it sounds like, if I'm reading the room here from you, Kevin Derso from 97.3 ESPN.com, the Flyers either move something, get draft picks and look to the future, or hold Pat and just say, hey, you guys got us this far, keep on going and see how far you can take us. Pretty much, and I think, I think it's going to be somewhere in between both. Like, I don't think they're going to be major sellers in this thing. I think they've come too far to be at this point. It's more about looking at the future and determining based on the players that we're talking about as possible selling pieces, what is their future? So Sean Walker's a perfect example. You have eight defensemen on the active roster right now. You can't play all eight, obviously. I mean, they're already almost force feeding seven down your throat with the, you know, with the lineups that they've put out. And moving Walker wouldn't really disrupt a whole lot, to be honest. You would just slot the next guy in place, and it would change a little bit, but it wouldn't change a whole lot in, in, as far as I'm concerned. And it would give you more lineup clarity, and you probably get a decent pickback, I would say a first or a second. I mean, I know they're targeting a first. We'll see if the market allows for that. Even if you got a second back for him, considering he was kind of a throw-in piece to that trade, I think you'd take that. So... That's where I think you start that conversation. The same thing goes for Scott Lawton. I don't know that you want to move a guy out of your room that is the only player who has a letter and is clearly is pretty much the de facto leader for a team with no captain and say, let's shake up the room that way. But if the offer that comes back to you is a first round pick for a player like Scott Lawton, who, you know, is certainly not an all star level player, I think you have to entertain that offer. But I don't think they are, you know, about a, about two weeks ago when the All-Star break hit and they had lost five in a row, I started floating around the idea that you have to think about Travis Konechny because at his age and some of the circumstances around the team, is he a guy you move to restock the, the prospect pool a little bit? 
And now they've won four games and they're going to push for a playoff spot. And I changed my mind because now I sit there and say, not only do you want to keep a player like that for the playoff push, but I think that you want to build around a player like that. And I think they think that as well, that they want to build around him. So he's probably looking more for a contract extension than a trade. But that's kind of the give and take with this. You're going to look at guys who I think are a little bit further along in their careers that maybe you still get something of value for and you keep this thing moving and building for the future. But I don't think you're entertaining guys anymore that we're kind of stuck in the middle where it's like, oh, this is a guy who's 26, 27. Maybe you consider moving him. I think now if you have a place for him and you think that that guy's a fit, you're going to keep him. Um, Emily Kaplan reported earlier that the Flyers have been actively taking calls on players on their roster. So who are teams calling about? Walker and Lawton to start with. That's the two that are going to be the headliners. I'm sure they're getting calls a little bit about, or they probably did get calls about Konechny kind of when it looked like the floor was coming out from under this thing. And now maybe they, maybe that's kind of dissipated a little bit now that they're winning a little bit more. I'm sure they're getting calls about other guys who are on expiring contracts too. I would throw Nick Sealer into that mix. I would throw Mark Stahl into that mix a little bit. Stahl's actually played a little bit recently, which is kind of the, the whole downside to having eight defensemen on your roster is Stahl's a guy you could easily move to a team that wants to add some depth for the playoffs. But if he's not playing a lot, it's hard to kind of get good value for him. He's actually played a few games recently and looked good, so maybe there's an opportunity there. Sealer's definitely a guy who you could move. The question is, do they want to? And I guess you would have to floor Danny Breer with an offer there as well. So uh, that's really the big question. And there's obviously there's guys that are now completely off the table that maybe you would have called about in the past, you know, uh, or or guys that maybe are changing that they're changing their mind on. Morgan Frost was a name that was thrown out for a while because of kind of the relationship with John Tortorella. But they kind of had, you know, kind of had a conversation maybe about five weeks ago. And all of a sudden, Frost is on near a point-per-game pace since that conversation. And I think that's changing some people's minds in the organization about where he goes in the future as well. So uh, I think all those things play a factor. And and there's definitely guys on the roster that they're going to get calls about because teams played above expectations. There's definitely value there to a lot of teams. The question is how far do the Flyers want to take those conversations? Uh, what are they um... – the, the Carter Hart thing, obviously, you know, is a murky situation. His future, very much in doubt. What about the goaltending the rest of the way? I mean, can you continue to roll the way you are and say, hey, you guys have done a really good job. We want to see if you can make the playoffs, but keep the same goaltending situation. They kind of have no choice almost because there's really not anybody below the two that they have that can come up and kind of – help out the situation at the moment anyway. It, it would really all depend the one player it depends on is not here at the moment. He's playing in he's playing in the KHL. That's Alexei Kolosov who they signed to an entry level deal in the offseason. He's a former third round pick of the team. And there's wonder if it's possible if he comes over and starts playing in North America once the KHL season is over. The expectation was he's definitely going to be in North America by next year. But again, questions with that. Is he ready to just jump straight into an NHL situation or does he play in the minors for a little bit and at least have to get his feet wet there? So it's not an immediate solution, I would say. And because of that, it really means you're rolling with Sam Harrison and Cal Peterson right now. And that's just the way it's going to be. The the encouraging part of it is, is that Harrison looks like he's found his form again after having a couple of rough starts at the end of the uh, right before the All-Star break. And they gave Cal Peterson a start against Seattle. And I know that that morning when I went to morning skate and I 
put out there that Tortorella said that Peterson was getting a start. I got hit with a bunch of, well, here comes a loss comments and things like that. And he won the game. So, you know what? It, if they can kind of find the opportunities to put Peterson in and get a few wins out of his starts or at least keep pace when, when he has to start and Arison keeps doing what he's done to kind of build on his career. They have a lot of trust in Arison. So I don't think that's changing anytime soon. If they go and make a playoff push and maybe eventually make the playoffs and go into a playoff series, Sam Arison's the guy. And they've kind of <laughs> alluded to that all along anyway. They, they have a lot of trust in him. Well, now they, they don't have a choice. They have to have trust in him because he's the number one that's here right now. All right. Uh, about a month or so ago, a little less than that, they made that trade and got Jamie Drysdale here. What have you seen from him? What has he added to this team? What do y'all like about that deal and what you've seen from him so far? I mean, he's he's a really good skater, and it's apparent every time he's out there that he can move really well. He's going through a bit of an adjustment process right now because the defensive style that the Flyers play is completely different from what he played in Anaheim. So he's still very much getting familiar with that. It didn't help matters that he came came over in the trade, played two games, and then basically missed a week with illness. So he kind of lost a little bit of time there. But that'll come along as he gets more familiar with the system He's got a foundation for being a very mobile defenseman. He he really showed it off on his goal in last night's game to kind of go into the offensive zone, work his way through a defense. Didn't do too much with it, just threw a shot on toward the net and it got a, got a fortunate bounce. That works for him, and I hope that he can kind of add some of that maybe goal-scoring potential to his game. He's definitely got potential to help a power play with the puck movement and his, and his just movement in general. And, you know, I talked to him yesterday, actually, at Morning Skate and kind of just got a feel for how he's adjusting things like that. And he had a funny story from a few days ago over the All-Star break. He was just going to go home and kind of continue to get situated in Philadelphia, maybe bring more stuff over whatever. And, and Cam York and some of the other teammates that are on the younger side on the roster kind of forced him into a trip and going on vacation with them. So he was thrown right into the mix with the rest of the guys and and kind of shows you the kind of tightness that the room has, that they're welcoming him in and they want they want him to be a part of everything going forward just as much as everybody else was. So he's definitely fitting in in that regard. And as the ability starts to come forward, because the potential is definitely there, he's just got to continue to get his feet wet and play more games. And as he does, I think you're going to continue to see the potential that he has. All right, Kevin Durso, 97.3 ESPN.com, Flyers Insider. And, of course, the Flyers have the Stadium Series game on Saturday night. We have the Leafs on Thursday night. You can hear both of those games on 97.3 ESPN. Um, is there a stretch coming up for you that will be the telling stretch, or do you feel pretty good that 30 games left that this is a playoff team? There is one stretch, All right. and it and it is very it's very dependent on how they approach the deadline because that stretch of games will happen right as the deadline hits or start anyway. They will start a 10-game stretch, and it starts while they're on the road. They play Florida and Tampa to start this thing off, and the day between those two games is the trade deadline. So who knows what the roster looks like from that first game to the rest of them. But over the course of that 10-game stretch, 9 of the 10 are against very legitimate playoff teams. They play Florida twice in that stretch. They play Toronto twice in that stretch. They play Boston twice in that stretch. Also games with Carolina, Tampa, and New York, the Rangers. So... You're getting the gauntlet of playoff teams right there. Throw in one game that that you pretty much have to win against San Jose at the bottom of the standings within that grouping because the others are going to be challenging. They find a way to split that maybe and go five and five over that stretch. Maybe of the five losses, get a point in a couple of them. 
I'll be convinced because by that point, there won't be much left to say. And honestly, if they start off that stretch with some really good success and like get through the first five games and have, let's say, a 3-1-1 and record, that may already be enough to convince me because they'll be far enough past the deadline that the standings will probably be telling you all that you need to know. They're going to be coming up by the end of that. They'll be coming up on, I think they'll have like eight or nine games remaining in the schedule when that stretch of games is over. If they're firmly locked into a playoff spot when that's over, they're making it. And there's not going to be any, there's not going to be any changing my mind at that point. I, I've wrestled with this all season, Mike, because they've they've kind of given me a reason. They started off the year just like last season. I said, okay, let's see what happens the second month of the year. They kept convincing me then. They're, they continue to do it, and I, you know, I had I had said when they were on the All Star break or went into the All Star break with the five game losing streak. As much as signs say this could be the end. They've earned the right to come back from the break and prove everybody wrong and, and get right back on track. And lo and behold, it's a four-game winning streak to come back. So they have certainly proven that they can get it back on the rails and keep this thing moving. Now they just have to do it for the final home stretch, and we're nearly down to the final quarter. And they've done it, you know, kind of in anonymity here for a little bit, but <laughs> Eagles are done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the football season's <laughs> over. They might start to get a little bit more attention. Like, hey, look at that team over there. They're in the playoffs. Let's go. So the pressure could start to mount for not only the team, but the team to make moves, and you're suggesting <laughs> doesn't sound like they're going to succumb to that pressure. There's definitely going to be people who are disappointed that they don't just push the chips into the center of the table and say, let's just go for it because they're in a playoff spot. That being said, to your previous point about more attention, the building's been fuller in the last handful of games. Like they came back from the all-star break, won a couple of games, building looked full over the weekend. So it's there's definitely some eyes on this team because they've carried it for this long. And now you got nothing better than – the spectacle that is on Saturday. You're going to have, I think it's upwards of 80,000 people at that game. So there you go. All right. Uh, Saturday, we'll talk more about that later on in the week. They're going to play the Devils at MetLife Stadium. Uh, you can hear that game on 97.3 ESPN. It's the stadium series, Flyers and Devils. But tomorrow night, excuse me, Thursday night, it's the Flyers and the Leafs. And you can hear that game on 97.3 ESPN. He's Kevin Durso at Kevin underscore Durso. Make sure you check out the website, the Instagram, the podcast, and all the video pre-games, previews, and post-games from Kevin as he is all over the Flyers who could be getting us playoff hockey sometime (laughs) later in 2024. Thanks, man. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right, Kevin Durso, great as always here on the Sports Bash live on 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike Gillen. Holy moly. Who would have thought Flyers playoff games? Put me in the category of I didn't think of it at all <laughs> when this season started. All right. Coming up, we'll wrap up the show. We've got a Philly free sports night tonight. No Sixers, no Flyers. You know what? The next two weeks, we have one, two, three, four, five nights of no Philly sports. No Philly sports, five nights coming up. Bummer. Looks like I'm going to have to get into another Harlan Coben 10-episode uh, miniseries on Netflix. I'm Mike Gill, and this is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, 5.53, getting ready to wrap up a uh, whoo, Tuesday show back in the saddle after being in Vegas last week. We were at Ocean yesterday, looking forward to uh, getting uh, back in kind of the swing of things. But as you all know, the football season is officially over, and that means we're going to be turning our attention to a lot more fills, and they report tomorrow. Phillies pitchers and catchers will do a full Phillies preview tomorrow. Uh, Frank or Bob or somebody talking some fills with us on tomorrow's show. Also, we'll be turning our attention, as we mentioned, to the Sixers and the Flyers. Both teams right now kind of on pace to make the playoffs. That hasn't happened since, what, 2019? Was that the last time the Phillies and the, uh, the Sixers and the Flyers both made the playoffs at the same time? Or 2020? Though they were in the bubble. So it seems like a whole different world ago that both of those teams made the playoffs. But as you just heard from Kevin Durso, it's a possibility we get both of them back in the Phillies. We could have a calendar year, 2024, where all four Philly teams make the playoffs. When's the last time that has happened? That all four of the Philly teams make the playoffs. That's been a while, because the Phillies didn't make it for a heck of a long time. They had a drought. Flyers have been in a drought. Sixers have been in the playoffs every year since 2017-18, I think, somewhere around there. But we could be looking at a spot where all four Philly teams make the playoffs. Now, who has championship aspirations? Eh, no Joel Embiid, no Sixers. Flyers, couple years away. Could it be the Phils? It all starts tomorrow. And we're all over it right here on the Sports Bash. Talk to you then. Game night is up next. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.